0: sitting to Inside Out with Turner And Seth
1: And we have a new approach to our long distance love I am here at the Diamond Street Studios with Spencer in the control room He is recording my end and Seth is in the playa with widespread panic, I do believe See, si, senor And he is recording his end and so I guess our days of the crappy phone connection
0: are over Yay! Yay! You okay there, buddy? Yeah, you know, I mean, listen, man, I just, I just did a run. I've been down Jam Cruise and then into Panic and in La Playa. I mean, it's, I'm exhausted. Well,
1: uh, as always, we're excited to point out that we are part of the Osiris Osiris Podcast Network. And folks, have you noticed n- marijuana is not just legal, but the packaging has gotten pretty elaborate pretty quickly, and we have. Kushko to thank for that. This is our wonderful OSIRIS sponsor and a partner who happens to be the largest producer of packaging products for the cannabis industry. And they do it for all kinds of dispensaries and other people who distribute this stuff. As medical and recreational cannabis continue to be legalized, Kushko is the leader and the go to company to produce state compliant packaging. And what does that mean? You know, states have varying laws about how marijuana can be packaged, folks. They, they got to be childproof, especially those edibles, man. Imagine if your kid gets a hand on some of those gummies. Look out. Although I think SpongeBob is really funny. Comply with labeling requirements, too. That's important. All kinds of other stuff. And Kush knows all this stuff. And um, they also prove that the packaging doesn't have to be ugly. They prove that... They can the producers can have their own branding on it and they have these innovative boxes, tubes, bottles, and all these other packages and stuff. And and folks, we aren't even asking you to spend money.
0: Okay? No, we're not asking you to spend a dime. Just go to
1: kushsupplyco.com slash podcast.
0: Check it out. And also, did you did you mention the uh, the stock market ticker there, Rob?
1: Well, Seth, Cushco is publicly
0: traded under the ticker KSHB.
1: Our own engineer, Spencer, himself has already invested in Kushco. He's a very savvy on the ball guy. He's on the cutting edge.
0: Um, if I had money, I would. And if you have money or you're trying to figure out your finances, might I suggest Polay and Clark. Polay Clark, accounting firm. We always we always talk about them. PolayClark.com. Check it out. Make an appointment. Tax season's coming and don't wait till April and get screwed. Call today and get Polayed. And these people really care. I cannot emphasize that enough. You want your accountant and your finance
1: people to really care about your well-being and your long-term interests. And I have a feeling Robert will be at that Super Bowl that's coming up. Don't you think?
0: Ooh. Hey, you know, I, I, I uh, probably. Folks, uh, thank you for listening to us. So I know that we're starting to get a little more ad-heavy on the front end of our episode. But without, without their support, we're not able to do these shows. So we really thank them for all their support. And thank you for listening. So let's jump right into yeah. this show, Rob. Well, one thing, Seth, uh, this sponsor is a pleasant alternative. We're not going to go
1: fund me and ask for money unless something tragic happens, and we're not going to sell merchandise and stuff. We want you to be able to listen to us for free. So if you could return the favor by just being kind enough to hear out our ads and then maybe take action and give us props, and that'll help us keep the show going without you having to spend a penny. Yes, Seth, what we were saying? I'm sorry. Uh, Jeff Coffin. So excited. He has ear-up records. Of course, Jeff Coffin, we know him from Dave Matthews Band. He's been in the Dave Matthews Band for 10 years now. He was in Bella Fleck and the Flecktones. He tells the whole story about how he became a member of the Flecktones, and we talk a lot about them. You folks probably know Bela Fleck, but also Roy Lamont Wooten, future man, is a drummer, and he has a, a machine he invented called the Drumatar. We speak about him. We speak about Victor Wooten, who is the bass player in the Flecktones, who's absolutely wildly talented bassist. And we talk about Ooh. Paul McCandless, who was a saxophone player in the Flectones before Jeff Coffin was. So those were just some key little things. But Jeff
0: is Jeff. Jeff is a genuinely real, down-to-earth, wholesome, good person. When you meet Jeff Coffin, you know right away that this is a good man. This, he's just a good human being and a pleasure to talk with. So easy to talk with too, wouldn't you say, Rob?
1: Absolutely. And you remember after
0: the show, he took us over to
1: a really cool local jam session hosted by Kebby Williams that we had never been to. We'd, I, I think we'd each heard about it, but we'd never actually been to it. And everybody there knew Jeff and was excited to see him because he's such a warm guy and receptive guy and approachable guy. And he got you playing trumpet. And he videotaped he seemed, me. <laughs> he acted like you were Wynton Marsalis. It was hilarious. Uh speaking of Wynton Marsalis was... <laughs> I, I do have a little error in this uh I, I said that John Faddis was the head of the Lincoln Center Jazz Orchestra before Winton Marsalis he was the head of um something else classical oriented I don't know but I did see him at Emory like I said and he was wonderful Henry. he's a wonderful trumpet player um can I tell you about some of the things on Up Records dude because Jeff doesn't just put out albums they all have really really cool themes yeah tell us he's done these duet records like he did one with Jeff Sype a few years ago. He has one out right now with who I just mentioned, Roy Lamont Mouton. You'll hear a full track from that. Really cool use of space and really tempered approach. These guys clearly are very used to playing with each other. It's evidenced on this recording. Um, you know, he he also has one with a, all right. I'm going to have to try to pronounce this name.
2: <laughs> S- you love it when I mess
0: up. Do 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 do. Rob can't spell or
2: speak. Do 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 do. it has to stop.
1: Tatsuya Nakatani. he's a wonderful percussionist. You may have heard of his gong orchestra and this record called Flight. By the way, the um the one with Roy is called Moment of Now, but this one called Flight. Which you'll get a little taste of in the in, in this episode as well. Kind of reminds me of John Zorn at times, Seth, and I would consider that pretty high praise.
0: That is high praise. Really I haven't s- heard Zorn in a while. That's uh. Thanks for bringing that name back up. It's just so really now,
1: sparse, and the blasts of energy seem to happen really naturally. I really, really, really like that.
0: Go ahead. There, I'm sorry. I'm not. Yeah, no, it's okay. I'm not going to tell everyone. The story because it's in the interview, but you know Jeff's got his studio and 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 that's where a lot of recordings happen. But they also happen in the live environment, and it's just it's fascinating uh, his approach. Uh, and okay. he's just he's such a, like he's such an approachable person to keep on the word approach uh, that so many musicians want to record with him. And that's then and, and so these projects that you're seeing uh, are just all stars. Let me build on your uniqueness of approach point there because for example. He'd
1: never done a record of standards and he probably never will again, but he wanted to do one of standards, but he wanted to do it in a different way. So he got this really talented pianist, bassist and drummer, and they didn't discuss what they were going to play or any of the execution. And they went, was this one a third and Lindsley? They went to a local national venue. I don't know if this one or the one I'm about to tell you about was a third and Lindsley, but they just went and said, okay, footprints, let's go. And then here's another project, Seth. He had um, Liebman come down. Dave Liebman, and he he's does this record called Shout It Out of Miles Davis covers with, with Victor and a bunch of other people. And he didn't, he stealth recorded them. He didn't tell them he was multi-tracking.
0: So Rob, Rob, I literally just said that story and I said, I'm not going to say the story. We're going to save it for the interview because it's in the interview. What are you doing, man?
1: <laughs> but that's a great, it makes for such a great record because I've been, I've been listening to it all day to try to select music from it. And... Uh. It gives the it gives it such life. Same with the standards record. It's not uh, li- like nothing you've ever heard. You know what I mean? They just they they go down these rabbit holes that are beautiful, and then they find a way back to the central melody of the song in such creative ways. It is it for 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 lovers of improv. You, you gotta get shouted out. You gotta get it. Ah, sorry, dude. I didn't mean to steal your thunder or Jeff's thunder or our thunder.
2: <laughs>
0: it's all right. Normally I step over you, so you know what, Rob. One point on the board for you. Well, I stepped
1: over you with the, the midnight Bob Dylan thing, but uh. I was really excited. Hey, speaking, last time of Bob-
0: Bob, speaking of Bob Dylan, big shout out to your boy, John Shane, uh, with his uh, award that he just got. He, the con- he won Shane- that contest? Yes, he won the solo performer category
1: at the Memphis International Blues Challenge. That's He was competing against 260 other musicians, each of which had won local challenges to get there. So he's... A champion among champions. He got these festival bookings. He got all these great show bookings. He's going to get on the rhythm, legendary rhythm and blues cruise. Is that, is that Ethan? Is that, um, no, no, that's
0: not, that's not six man. That's Roger. That's actually, uh, yeah, that's, that's a fantastic cruise though.
1: That's awesome. That is great. I love John. He is such a wonderful and talented performer. I've never felt he he's gotten his due. This is very justifying for those of us who've been following and singing the praises of John Shane for many, many years. So, congratulations. S H A I N. J O N S H A I N. Check out his website. Check out his music. Check out his tour dates. But I think, um, and you know, hang on for the outro, folks. We've got some cool stuff. Seth's, as I said, at Panic on the Playa and at Jam Cruise. He's going to give us some updates. I just had an old school Rob weekend, three shows and three nights. I'll tell you all about them. That involved Liz Cooper and New Madrid and the Artisanals and Arlo Guthrie and Sarah Guthrie and our boy Joey Somerville performing as Papa Somerville. Jay says. Oh, yeah, Papa Joey. Jay says. Papa Jay says. All right, buddy.
0: No, that's great. And uh, before we go into the interview, um, one other thing I wanted to mention: uh, Osiris does a um, what do they call it? The Couch Couch Report, and they yes. just did one. On well, with the disco biscuits, they did one with Gutwillen, and, and uh, right before there was it Philadelphia or DC? I think DC. Anyway, they did this couch report with them, and about six Is minutes. Is that that and Lincoln 20... Theater in
1: DC? The
0: huge Lincoln Theater. And it was a really good interview. I thought. Um, yes. I, I thought, and because they asked some really good questions. But uh, they talking about approach and how you go into the how when you go into a room, how it's a little different because it sounds different. It was really interesting. But they also uh, John uh, gave a big shout out to Rob, t- telling a story about Rob buying his guitar, um, which was a really cool story. I had no, I don't even remember you telling me that. So thanks uh, thanks for the love there, Osiris, and um, and well, definitely check it out. I didn't, I it didn't out. do it.
1: I didn't do it so I could go tell people that I had done it for the rest of my life. I did it because he's an amazing, gifted guitar player, and I figured we'd get some amazing music out of it, and I was right. And to correct him, I lent him the money. He paid me back at the Masquerade, that very famous Very Moon Crickets uh, masquerade show in the mid part of the last decade sometime. That's the night he paid me back in cash. Also, I had a very overbearing girlfriend at the time, so that money was spent... In ways I'm not necessarily would have liked, but he did pay me back. Hey, three last things on Jeff Coffin, and then we'll throw it to the interview. He all right, um, does all kind. He does all kinds of stuff in addition to music. For example, January twenty fifth and 26th, six, he'll be a special guest and presenter at the Berkeley High School Jazz Festival in Boston. February first through third, he's a guest performer at the University of Kansas, and will also do some clinics with students while he was there. While he's there. And February 7th to 9th, he goes to Vanilla Land. Jeff will be a special guest clinician at the South Carolina Music Educators Conference in Columbia, South Carolina. I live there. I can say it. It's very vanilla there. But there's good people there. But you won't find me living there again. <laughs> All right, Seth, send us, uh, take us to
0: the interview. Well, without further ado, or due for, for that, for this, for what, it is Jeff Coffin. Ladies and gentlemen, enjoy this interview. Well, at least we say we hope you enjoy. It was a pleasure talking with him. And now... Jeff, cough in. So that, that's Rob's um, service animal. She's named after Larry Bird and Charlie Parker. Nice.
3: nice,
0: Really, I thought it was after all the fingers that people pointed at you. <laughs> well, then she would have been named Flip.
1: Oh, and hey. I'd say oh, after Flip oh, Wilson.
2: Good.
1: good job, Rob. Thank you. You call her Josephine, and, like just really go left. Wouldn't well, that be a Bob Weir reference too? So I'm all about that. There you go.
0: I'm I, I'm left out on that one.
1: We have a little Bob Weir hiatus. Yeah? No gigs except that stupid destination thing.
3: Are we ready? We're Yeah, we're going. Okay.
1: We're you hear okay?
3: Yeah, yeah, you're great. Does my voice sound sultry and deep? <coughs> it sounds sexual. Oh, boy.
1: <laughs> we're sitting with a man I first heard of from <laughs> Bela Fleck and the Flecktones. Many of you may know him as a member of the Dave Matthews Band. He is the founder of Ear Up Records. He is... Sax- he's also a member of Mad Dog's Filthy Horns that play with Humphreys McGee every mm-hmm. year. That's why we have the benefit of his time right now. He is here at the Tabernacle with Humphreys McGee. Also an edu- yep. a
0: music educator.
1: Yes. Let's not forget that. And a man who works with all kinds of different causes.
3: Jeff Coffin. Coffin. Thank you, <sighs> fellas. It's very nice to be here at the Tabernacle with you. Yes. Enjoying some tea here in the back room and kind of chilling out.
1: You're also one of my favorite random... Occurrence run into is
3: the only time I was ever oh, at Village yeah. Vanguard
1: in New uh-huh. York at the
3: end. I was a Joe Lovano show, I think. The Joe Lovano, yeah, Joe Lovano and Dave Douglas. Yes. Oh, yeah. sick!
1: I <laughs> went to the bar at the end of night, and there you were, and we chatted yeah. for like half an hour. Yeah, about Joe Lovano and, and Dave, Dave Douglas. Douglas I
3: think.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're brilliant musicians. Any even casual jazz fans, check out both of those. Yeah, and what a know. place
3: to hear music too. It you know, it's such a storied venue like that too. Man, have you it's, played there? I have not played there. I'd like really? to play there someday. How's that possible? You haven't played there. That just seems like you. I would... don't know. You know, I, I, don't, I don't. I don't play a lot of solo gigs in New York. You know, and uh, um, I mean, I'd love to. It's it's, it's hard to find the time. It's, it'd, it'd be great exposure. Not money, great but great exposure. <laughs> <laughs> man, I'd play the Vanguard for free. You hear that? Anybody doing the Village Vanguard? I'll play that place for free. You gotta pay my guys, but I'll play it for free. You gotta pay my guys. Good man. <laughs> pay my band, but I'll play it for free. So they're like, "Well, have you down solo?"
2: <laughs> You're right. Get <laughs> <Damn> it. <laughs>
1: Loopholes. I
3: hate loopholes.
1: <laughs> Can we start just before Flectones? What, what were you doing musically, sure. and then how did you come across? Uh, I would imagine Future Man was the first. No?
3: Um, well, uh, all the Wooden Brothers, were, I was living in Nashville. I moved to Nashville in 1991, uh, right after I got out of college. I went the to North The start Texas. of the scene right here. The start Nashville. of the
2: scene.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so when I moved to Nashville, I, I knew one person there. Uh, he was doing some second engineering work um, for a guy named Alan Reynolds, who went on to produce Garth Brooks and Lou Harris and Iris DeMann, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, his world was the country world, and and I was definitely not in that. But um, I drove through the town, and and I liked it, so I moved there. And so I was doing any number of different things before I before I hooked up with the Flectones. I was doing a lot of um, a lot of kind of local local groups. I was playing in a Cuban band. I was playing. Uh, with a few singer-songwriters doing some different things. I had my own stuff going on, Um, a little bit of session work. Um, I mean, I was playing... By the time I met Bela, I was playing in probably 10 or 12 different groups. How old were you around the time? Um, Late 20s. Um, um, Yeah, late 20s. Almost almost 30. I turned 30 in 95. So, yeah, late 20s through that early area. And... uh, um, The Wooten brothers had all been living in Nashville already. They had moved there, I think, right maybe right around the time that I did, or slightly before, uh, because Vic and Roy were already there, uh, playing with Bela. And so, you know, I I had come from this very prestigious um, music school with, you know, some of the the greatest young talent in the country going there. Which one? uh, University of North Texas. Oh, nice. uh, In Denton, Texas, and uh, and I get to Nashville and I heard the Wooten brothers and I was like, dear God. What is this? And then at the same time, right around that same time, I remember very, very clearly, man. I heard Aquarium Rescue Unit, and I had, I, I swear to you, man, I, I remember vividly. I was on the way to Kroger, and uh, I, I was with my roommate at the time, the guy that I knew in town, and and I had to pull the car off the road because I was like, what? You is were basically this? frightened. I was basically <laughs> frightened, yeah. And, uh, um. I was completely blown away and, and I had never heard anything like it in my life and, and, and I had been hearing a lot of music I had been listening to a lot of different stuff and, and uh, you know I just, I just felt like wow man I'm, I'm in a whole different world here now with, with all this other stuff and so uh, I knew Vic a little bit uh, knew Roy a little bit I ended up meeting Bela through um, um, a drummer that came through town who used to live there a guy named Tom Pollard who lives in New York now and I had been running a jam session for a few years, and and Tom had come through, and uh, we met, and you know I didn't know he knew Bela, but he ended up leaving Bela a message that I was living in Nashville, and he was like, "Oh, there's a horn player in town. I don't think you know about." Hang on, who left this message for Bela? This guy, Tom Pollard, this uh, this drummer. Cool. And uh, um, key. I love the. I'm just big on the key. You know. Right. It's very interesting. Yeah. 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 It was like kind of that that little moment, and then change your life. And then I was in Aspen. I was playing with a guy named Max Carl, who's a five horn band, and we had the night off and I saw the flectones were playing. And so I was hanging out with with the trumpet player in my band, Bill Fanning, and, and I said, Wow, if you know, if we could find Vic, I said, I bet we could get some tickets for tonight's show, you know, maybe go in and check out the show for a while. And I'm not kidding you, man, within like forty five seconds, who's walking down oh, the middle yeah. of the street of course. right <laughs> at us is Vic Wooten. Wow. Right? And I was like, "Well, wow, that was easy." <laughs> <What> <laughs> was I, <I'm> <laughs> and then, by the way, did I mention a million dollars? <laughs> right. I was like, "Man, I shouldn't have thought about a million dollars." Or you know, <laughs> and uh, so we went to the show. A uh, few of us went. And he said, "There's no more seats, but you know, you guys can stand along the back wall." It's just this big Nashville contingency that was in town.
1: Is this trio, or was this with McCandless? No, no, this
3: this was in. Um, uh, see, this would have been '96, so that a uh, Sam Bush was with him actually. Wow, oh, cool. but no, Paul McCandless. No, Paul was not there. Okay, <laughs> and so. Uh, Um, you know, I was, and here's the thing, like it, it wasn't totally my thing at that time, you know, it was great. And, and I was like, this is awesome, but I wasn't sure I was going to stay for the whole night. So I, so I went during the set break to uh, say thanks for the tickets, you know, just to say hello and say, Hey, you know, we might hang, we might not, but, but thank you so much and blah, blah, blah. And when I met Baylor, he kind of looked at me and he said, he says, that's weird. He says, I have a message on my phone to look you up when I get home. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, that's weird. I said, why would you have that? And so he told me this guy Tom had called him. And he said, look, he says, I'm in gig mode. Can you hang out to the end of the show? And I said, sure, of course. And and so we chatted. And uh, and I remember the very beginning of the second set, uh, Future Man would do a drum solo. And uh, um, and so he was triggering like all this stuff I was really into, like these African uh, yes. uh, children's choirs mm-hmm. and these African flute sounds. And he was like, he was... Kind of channeling Elvin, but like through Billy Cobham and Tony Williams in this stuff. All alone, uh, all playing the drums through the drum guitar for those of you who don't know. Yeah, but triggering stuff off the other stuff. Also, he had a couple, maybe he had a couple of regular drums too. And and I, and I I remember thinking, wow, like if this band goes in that direction, that would be unbelievable. You know i mean the virtuosity was there you know and, and obviously they had a huge following and i was thinking wow man if they went into this kind of like other kind of organic place because what i was missing was like the vocal element for me like i was i was like well i'm not totally hearing the melody in what's going on here it's there but but like i want it to be like a vocalist i want to hear that like running through all this other beautiful stuff that's going on. And,
1: and just for the listeners, the, the Flectones do do some vocals, but that is immediately after, this is actually that was shortly actually. after you joined right. them. Yeah, that but was on Left on. of
3: Cool, right. And uh, um, so so I hung out, chatted with Bela for a long time that night, and he said, well, let's get together after you get home and, and I get home and, and just do some playing. And I was like, great, man, sure. So we got together with this drummer, Tom, and uh, a couple other folks and just had a great time, you know. We had a very similar sense of humor, and uh, so we were, you know, playing some more Nat Coleman stuff, some standards, a few of my tunes, a few of his tunes, and maybe uh, Spain, maybe Spain, right in the wrong key, you know, in A flat <laughs> instead of G or whatever. The, I think the normal key is G. Chick and won't hear uh, us, I hope. <laughs> and so, uh, so he asked me to sit in with them. They were doing a five-night run at this place called Cafe Milano, um, and Stuart Duncan was supposed to play that night. Uh, the, the the great violin player, and and so uh, his daughter had the flu, and and Bayless said, well, he can't make it this oh, night, oh. so just play the whole night with us. And I was like, well, I don't really know any of your tunes, except for, yeah. like, we had talked about a couple of tunes to play. and
1: It's not exactly so, three-chord rock.
3: Oh, right, exactly. And he said, oh, it'll be fine, you know, we'll play a couple of Christmas tunes, we'll do that Ornette tune, and a couple other things, and... We'll show you this tune, Sunset Road, which I wrote out on a napkin and taped to my microphone. (laughs) A song that uh, would ultimately have lyrics, too. Would ultimately have lyrics. That's right. And uh, so, you know, it kind of went from there. We got into some really cool stuff that night, and and uh, um, he called me a couple of days later, and he actually he paid me for the night, which I didn't expect at all. And uh, um, how much? uh, It's like forty-five bucks, I think. (laughs) I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's a stipend. <laughs> are you sure no, he, he wasn't asking you? Are you sure he wasn't paying you back for the dinner you got? Yeah, in the maybe, bag? maybe. <laughs> um, Nobody. He, he paid me well for the night, and I, I really, I didn't expect anything, and, and uh, um, I thought, wow, man, what a nice cat, and, and, and all of them were, were super nice and supportive, and so uh, so he called me a couple of days later, and he said, you know, he said I, I heard uh, Roy go to some places I haven't ever heard him go before when you were playing with us. And uh, he said, You know, are you interested in, in doing some dates with us in uh, um, 1997, early 97? I was like, Yeah. I said, Sure, man. And so uh, um, we did some dates up in, in uh, the first day was in, in uh, Vermont. Uh, it might have been Burlington. I can't remember. Um, Flynn Theater? It might have been the Flynn. I, I can't remember exactly where, but it was in Vermont. Okay. And then I remember we did three nights at the, uh, at the knitting factory. New York which yeah yes. which for, for me at that time was like that was like mecca mm-hmm. you know and uh, just
1: below village vanguard really
3: yeah yeah at that at that time it sure was and and uh, um, but i remember after the first the first night in vermont i remember going up to him and i said hey look man i said i really appreciate the opportunity i said but i said man i said you know i said i'm okay to go home on a bus tomorrow you know i said because where you guys are at what you're playing is like so far beyond what I can even understand right now, you know. And I said, your audience knows the music so much better than I do. And I said, I just, you know, I don't, I don't want to like be an impediment to your movement forward. And uh, he kind of looks at me. He says, "He says, what are you talking about?" He says, "That it was great." He says, "Go back and listen to the tape." <laughs> and uh, I was like, "I don't know, man." And so, so I did, and it, and it was okay. I mean, it was it was fine, you know. Were you doing and, the uh, two
0: saxophones and everything at that time yet? No, or no? I,
3: I don't. I think we were yet. Okay. I don't just think so. Just kind of trying to gauge where, where yeah. things are at. Um, I like mean, I was just trying to realize the music. I mean, Paul McCandless had, had written out a bunch of stuff. Thank God. Thank God for Paul. I mean, geez. And, uh, Good man. Um, but but I remember also, like, like on the, on the we had like a really short rehearsal, maybe one or two for like, I don't know, an hour and a half or something, you know, like running over a couple of heads. And so on the way up there, I remember him, and I, I was like, I said, hey man, I said, we're like, when when am i going to know how when to solo he's like well, just watch me he says i'll nod to you and i'm thinking oh my god like <laughs> you're going to nod to me right Re- <laughs> really in the midst of all this you're going to nod to me i'm thinking oh nod. dear god i'm sc- i'm so what if, and what if he had, like sneezes Do you like take it wrong <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, obviously it worked out pretty well, and and I spent 14 years with them, and and I love them all very dearly, and, uh, um, you know, we see each other whenever we can, whenever we're all home together or whatever, And, and, uh, and, and I miss them, I miss playing with them, I miss making music with them.
1: and then time off and then went back for a year. Something like that? Yeah, we had a year off. I can't remember
3: when oh, it was. only was. one Maybe year Maybe it was after 10 years. And uh, that would have been like late 2006, 2007. No, 2004 or five, Because I started playing with Dave Matthews in 2008. And I did <sighs> double duty 10 for two years. with 10 years. I'm like, yeah. I'm, I can't yeah.
0: take this anymore. Everything seems like yesterday. Yeah. Why is it going so well, fast? Well, that was yesterday. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So that's just getting into his 40s This, this yeah. 50 plusers This is all that <laughs> uh, Why well,
3: you're know. only 40? You 41. look like that You're
1: 41. only
0: 40 Oh thank you <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, He just cut his hair And he's all boyish <laughs> no, People told me I look great But maybe they're saying I look gray, gray. Yeah. 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 <laughs> look, You look gray I just ate uh.
1: some nice Indian
3: food <laughs> He did <laughs> just eat Indian food. He yeah. I, did, I also, yeah, didn't bring you guys any. My apologies. That's all right. My said, apologies. No, Arshna said she's like going to hook you guys up later. She, well,
1: you uh, mispronounce her name, too. I do, too, all the time. Urshna. I do. I mispronounce it yeah. all the time, I, I, and I love Arshna, her. Arshna, but it's Arshna. I but too. But she did yeah. say
0: I can plug her anyway, so my response on that was, is Aaron okay with that? <laughs> I love <Bo.
1: laughs> I love Bojanic. Am I saying that right, Bojanik? Yeah, not Bojangles, yes. Bojanic, wonderful right. food, yeah. and they are very supportive oh, of this the show. it's the best,
3: man. It's the best. My favorite Indian food anywhere. You need to be on her podcast. Yeah. She doesn't have I a podcast. I was in 2006. Well, she's yeah. Six. Yeah. yeah, what was it called? Yeah, it's, it's yes. just about to come out. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> you did the finishing touches today? <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, so a little uh, more on the Flectones before we move on. Yeah. They're always moving on when you are in the band. They're always moving on to the next set of material, right? Mm-hmm. Like you would have the album out, and you'd maybe play some stuff, but it also always seemed when I'd see you guys, would always have something new.
3: Yeah, we were always working on stuff, and we would always work on stuff um, uh, during sound checks. We would sound check every day for usually a couple hours, and uh, and, and, and and part of the appeal was that uh, you know we would get to kind of connect with each other during the day musically, and uh, and and communicate musically and and verbally, of course. Um, but it was kind of a shared space.
0: Was it easier to do it in Soundcheck versus a rehearsal room?
3: Yes, it was easier for our crew. Because
0: you're say, like, with you know, Future Man's equipment, it's got to be hard to do that in a practice room without it, all of his... It would be very
3: difficult. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be real challenging. And so for Richard, uh, Richard Battaglia, who was um, uh, the tour manager and front of house, um, <clears throat> um, uh, you know, he would kind of be dialing everything in at the same time and... Uh, and, and Zach Newton, who was also doing um, uh, stage management and monitor stuff, so they'd be, be dialing everybody in during the whole time, and, and uh, um, so it was kind of a kind of a sound checkage, and you know, just time to be able to kind mm-hmm. of work things out and try stuff, and um, so yeah, we were always speaking, we were always speaking of a sound like check. Sorry, speaking a sound check. Yeah, free sound check on in in the, the background, background there. <laughs> we're
1: going to make our engineering staff work.
3: Just unplug it.
1: But since you mentioned Matthews, I remember, and I'm I'm a respecter of Dave Matthews, but I'm not a huge fan of his. Mm-hmm. But when Flecktones would open, yeah, that you would go because you guys would sit in, right? So obviously that's the beginning of of him Dave knowing who you are.
3: Yes, yeah, that's that's the beginning of my relationship with those guys, and and uh, and they were always very gracious with inviting us to come up and sit in, and
1: but even so, you're joining a band that already has a sax, so at the time when you were just sitting in.
3: Is that tough to, to not step on toes and stuff? No, I mean no. It, it, it I mean it wasn't to me. I mean Roy and I were friends, and uh, you know it's 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 always nice to have other horn players um, come up and sit. We still do that. Rashawn and I still invite other horn players to, to come and sit in sometimes. And uh, I mean we we've had you know Nicholas Payton, Greg Osby. We've had um, <clears throat> we've had the Tower of Power section with us. Um, um Josh Redman? No, Josh hasn't come up yet. That um, needs to happen. But that would definitely be, be great to have happen. Um but Bob Mincer and you know, I mean just, just tons of folks. And uh, so it's 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 really great to have um people come up and, and kind of augment the sound of the section sometimes. And and we had John Fattis recently, uh, which was just off the hook.
1: John Fattis who runs does he still run the Lincoln Jazz at Lincoln Center? He used uh, that's
3: Winton Winton Marcellus,
1: right? But for a while, Fattis did. I saw him here. Oh, in did Emory. he? Okay, He had okay. his own thing. He toured with it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not
3: sure. He may be. He's, He's a wonderful trumpet player. He's underappreciated. Player, yeah. Um. Then you get the gig, the Dave Matthews. gig. Yeah. Yeah. In 2008, so Leroy Moore had a, a really terrible ATV wreck, and it's um, awful. Broke a bunch of ribs and his clavicle, scapula punctured a lung, um, and so I got called, um. Uh, I was up in, in New York at a friend's wedding, and I got called from the Flectones manager and, and you know telling me what had happened, told me, you know, Roy, is, he's going to be okay. He's going to survive this. He's going to recover. Um, but they need you for a couple of months. Can you do it? And I said, well, when do they need me? And he said, right away. And I said, what's right away? He says, the next gig's tomorrow <laughs> <No>. in Charlotte. <laughs> yeah. And so all my gear was in Nashville. I was in New York driving to Massachusetts, and the gig was in Charlotte. So I said... Tell them yes, and let me figure it out, and uh, give me more information. But tell them yes, and I still have to cancel a bunch of stuff over the summer. But yeah, let's do this. Did someone drive your stuff to Charlotte for you? I called my stepson Caleb, and I was like, "Nice, uh, Caleb. What are you doing tonight?" <laughs> 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 he said, "He said nothing." And I said, "Well, I said here's the deal." I told him, and and uh, does he like Dave Matthews? Caleb, yeah, yeah, he likes the band. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, and uh, um. So he he was a champ man and drove it drove it over and I said, You look I said, look, the band will pay for all your hotel rooms, they'll pay you to drive the stuff, you know, whatever. And uh seventy five dollars. Seventy five bucks. That's right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Moving up. And, uh, <coughs> and cash. <laughs> um so uh so it worked and I and I went in the next day and, and um, you know, Rashawn came in early, Dave came in early and <laughs> Um, we were like, let's get a set together. And so we just sketched out a bunch of stuff As quickly as we could go through the music, we sketched the stuff out. and, and
1: uh, What were the most difficult songs to assimilate
3: um, to? It's hard to say, because I can't remember even what we had at, at first just to get on stage. and uh, uh, But literally, it was it as quickly as I could write. And, uh, you know, Rashawn would be like, okay, these are the rhythms, these are the parts. Um, excuse me. And... Uh, sounds a sharp cat. H- right? How do you deal yes, with the pressure, is. though?
0: Yeah. That to me seems like
3: uh, th- I, you know it was. There's got to be man, a lot like, of a, a lot of pressure to to step up there that night, a band I, like that. I, I guess, but yeah, I didn't I didn't think about that so much as I was thinking about helping my friend Roy and helping out the band uh-huh. and just being there for them. It was it was sort of too much to think about. If there was any pressure, you know, because I knew those guys also, and I had played with them some, and it felt very comfortable hmm. for me. I mean, they made it very comfortable, also. And, uh, and, and so that's part of, part of, you know, my gratitude towards them is that they were very much open arms, being like, hey, man, thank you for being here. This is going to be really fun. And, uh, you know, we really appreciate, you know, you being here.
1: But would they give you feedback? Would they go over the tapes and say, hey, I like this, but let's do more of this here and do that? Or is
0: it just... they got a good sound engineer. They didn't have much feedback.
3: <laughs> um, you know, not so much because it was... Uh, Uh, i had the parts that i needed to play and uh i mean i'm sure there was a lot of stuff at the beginning that there were cues that roy would do or whatever that i wasn't doing um but it was it was all really seamless you know i mean that's the only way i can really describe it and um so i you know i was just grateful for that man that it, it it worked and You know, tragically, a month and a half in, Roy passed from his injuries.
1: Which, by the Um, way, was a
3: little surprising. He had
1: turned the corner and was getting healthy, and then...
3: Right. Yeah, he traveled. He flew from the East Coast to the West Coast. Before he should have, right? Before he should have, yeah, and and passed a blood clot. And and it was shocking. You know, I mean, I got got called from our our tour manager. I got a message from our assistant tour manager. Meaning it, Dave Matthews? Yeah.
1: Yeah, tour manager. Yeah,
3: and uh, this guy, Brian, and he said, Hey, Bill needs to talk with you, the tour manager. Um, it's pretty important. He's going to call you in a couple of minutes. And, and we were in LA, we we're at the Staples Center. And and really, my thought was, Oh, maybe I asked for too many comps. <laughs> it was because I was thinking, Wow, I, mean, I have like six. Damn it, Ursus. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> so I was Dude, thinking, you fucked up Jimmy thing. You're out. <laughs> And so I was thinking, wow, man, maybe I asked for too many um, out here, you know? And uh, then he called him and he dropped the bomb that, that Roy had passed that afternoon. And uh, I mean, there was nothing that could have been further away yeah. from yeah. my thought of what he was calling about. And I remember, I remember the first thing that I did was I tried to call Bela, and, uh, who, unbeknownst to me, was in China, right? And, and somehow I got through to him. Like it's kind of going, dee, dee, like that weird, yeah. you know, non-U.S. ring. And he goes, uh, uh, hello, and I was like, hey, man. I said, I got some bad news, and uh, and so I told him what was up. And He said, man. He said it was really weird. He says because my phone hadn't worked at all in China huh. up until you called me. Mm-hmm. He said, and and I think maybe he said it didn't work after that either. It was just this weird anomaly where somehow I got through to him, and and was able to let him know about what had happened, you know, and uh, um, and and for most of the day nobody. Nobody, you know, I, I called the other guys and I talked to them, talked to the other Flectones. Because, I mean, like, what do you do? I mean, it's, you know, I mean, we, you can't really talk. It wasn't, I wasn't going to go in and, like, start talking to the man members about mm-hmm. this. They just lost their brother, you yeah. know? And, and, uh, and so I remember very clearly, actually, that night I stayed out of the dressing room. I warmed up. We had a, a tuning room. I remember I just stayed out of the just, like, let them be yeah. where they were going to be. And, uh, uh, and it was tough i mean it was tough witnessing them going through that loss handling that loss using but using music as the catalyst for for healing
0: on yeah. september 11th you played a gig in tallahassee i don't know if you remember that you pulled up and uh that was september 12th it was not september 11th like the 12th you had the you were torn with your band at the mm. butet and uh we we sat we looked at each other and it's like well because I was pr- promoting that show and the same type of thing I'm like mm-hmm. well, man what do we do I'm like yeah. I'm gonna pay you regardless and, you yeah. know like what do we do here and you're like uh, right now people need to heal so yeah. we're gonna we're gonna use music to heal yeah that's why Bob know. Weir performed the night Jerry died when he could have flown home
3: yeah well music has that profound power and profound influence and and uh, you know it was it, it was interesting because I remember the. The first tune we did the night that Roy died was bartender. I mean the whole set was really built around his passing and uh I'd be really I'd be interested to go back and see that mm-hmm. set sometime but uh, I mean it was really heavy because not everybody in the audience knew you know, and of course later on it was on he was scrolling uh, yeah. on cNN it was like I mean it was all over the place and
0: uh yeah, and it's not something you're like you know announcing the
3: <laughs> good evening everybody I right. mean, well yeah. no but he but Dave did he said, you know. Our, our, something like our, our dear friend Leroy gave up his ghost today and uh, um, you know and didn't come right out and say, say yeah he died you know um, but I think by the end of the gig I think everybody kind of knew that that had gone on you know and just to to, to witness the way everybody was playing and 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 really pushing the emotion out was it was it was really powerful man and uh, and people would say to me like oh man it must have been so hard going into that situation, and you know, after Roy passed and all this, and I was like, I said, I, I said, the, the difficult thing was for them to me, like, like my job was to to sort of be there and to help out as best I could in whatever situation. And I said, but imagine what they're going through, mm. you know, like 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 the same the same family is at dinner every night, and then suddenly someone leaves, but you have to fill the chair, and then suddenly like, they're not coming back to that chair, you know. So you have to go out and go. Oh well, I guess now you're here.
1: Especially when they thought, I mean, when it's an eventuality, that's one thing. But when they they thought he had turned the corner and was coming back, right? Makes absolutely. It so yeah, much worse. Yeah,
3: yeah. It was it was shocking. I mean, it's still mm-hmm. shocking. Ten years later, it's still shocking.
1: You ready, bartender? Uh, proudest monkey, uh-huh. satellite, so damn lucky. Eh he, water into wine, burning down the house, dancing Nancy's, loving wings, the maker,
3: oh the maker must have been heavy that night. Yeah, yeah, loving wings also. You know, I mean, all this it was all built right around his passing, and uh, uh, it was it was it was quite profound, man. It's quite profound, and um, um, but you know it's 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 been ten years now, and and you know we all still talk about him. A lot of a lot of really funny stories, um, almost nightly. You know about about shit that he would say or or do, and and um, so you know th- th- there was obviously great and and deep and, and very real love for him um, that has has not ceased in any way. Mm-hmm.
1: And how did you feel the Matthews Band music and particularly the jamming changed in those first few years as you
3: as you and Rashawn made your way? Well, <clears throat> I think that I mean first of all, Rashawn and I hadn't played together really. Very much a, t- a tiny little bit. Like uh, one time when the Flectone sat in and Rashawn was there, and I actually have a picture of the three of us playing together, uh, which is really lovely. And, and uh, um, But we didn't know each other's playing, so we had to learn about each other's playing, intonation wise, dynamics, articulation, um, all this stuff. And, and Rashawn has become, <coughs> excuse me, in my opinion, one of the greatest trumpet players on the planet. And, uh, and, and I really believe that. And, and, and I do know what I'm saying when I'm saying that.
1: Yes, you have a good ear. Um,
3: <laughs> and uh, he's really become a student of the trumpet again. And he, he, man, he really works his tail off and, and sounds absolutely brilliant and consistent um, night after night after night. And, and uh, so we've, we've worked into basically a single unit at this point. You know, when we're playing, it is as locked in as I've ever been locked in with anybody in my life, and uh, we don't have to talk about stuff, we don't talk about intonation, we don't talk about articulation, phrasing, any of that stuff, you know, we've really learned each other's playing, and, and if he changes a mouthpiece or a horn, I can tell you the difference in how it sounds, and and vice versa, you know, we really know how each other how plays, and and uh, so I, I think that <coughs> that's changed things a bit. Um, the sound of, of the horn section, um, being a little bit more predominant. Um,
1: Fans who know the band well have suggested to me that Dave's a little more comfortable getting adventurous with the improv these days than maybe he was in the older days. Would you agree with that?
3: I think so. I mean, this, look, this last year for the band um, was really a rebirth, um, which
1: is something that I don't think a lot of people know. He just put out an album in June. Mm-hmm. It's the seventh record in a row that has debuted at number one, and no band has ever done that before. Right.
3: First band in history to do that. That yeah. is sick. Yeah, it's pretty unbelievable. Pretty unbelievable. Um, and so the 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 turnaround with the band um, has has been pretty amazing. Um, um, as the fans know, um, Boyd's not with us any longer. Uh, we have a keyboard player named Buddy Strong. And uh, where would they find Buddy? The gym. Sh- <laughs> the gym. <yeah. laughs> He was in working out. Um, uh, Rashawn knew him from Usher's gig, so he was Usher's uh, MD for a number of years. He was also playing with Ariana Grande, and so Rashawn knew about him. He said, "This guy will be great," and it's been fantastic. And it's and it's really been a rebirth for the band. Um, um, m- musically, it's it's just escalating to the highest levels now, and. Uh, um, in chemistry wise, it's, it's just off the hook, man. It's, it's really, you know, it's everything that I hoped that it would ever be. And, uh, and, and we're, we're even eclipsing that. Did the
1: Boyd thing blindside the band, or did, did, did you guys see that coming at all?
3: No. Uh, and and that's, that's something I wasn't really involved with. And uh, so, I'm, you know, I don't feel really even qualified to, to talk about it. But you yeah. can
1: talk about this. Talk about playing Ants Marching for the first time without
3: Boyd.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah it was clean up aisle seven.
3: <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, here was the thing. Like, I think that was in um, um, Midwest somewhere. Milwaukee. Um, yeah. Um, uh, be, or, uh, Minnesota, maybe. Minnesota. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was in Minneapolis before Min- the
0: Minneapolis.
3: Minneapolis. Where
1: Corey Wong, who was opening the show tonight, is from. Yeah.
3: It was right before the Super Bowl, and and it was really funny because. Because we didn't know where the count off was Like we, like it sort of came in And then it didn't come in right? And we were sort of like what's going on And then like I'm looking at Rashad He's looking at me and we're both looking at Dave And like we're trying to figure out well is anybody else Coming in or are we the only ones Or what you know <laughs> One of those moments, but but here's the thing, man. We have those moments fairly often, you know that that awkward moments with Jeff y- Coffin. And yeah. <laughs> there's your and, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and so so those those things will happen on a live gig, and and you know we we've talked about a lot. I mean, I talked to my students about this also, and I have you know. we've kind of taken on one of the things that I tell my students which is every time you take the stage you need to have with you an imaginary bucket and it's a bucket of fuck it and so that when you make a mistake you reach in and you just go "Ah, fuck it and you release it because otherwise like this domino effect that can happen can really get inside your mind going to be mistakes on every tune man, and you have to be able to to get past it and leave it behind and not dwell in that moment because then you take yourself out of the present moment and it happens again and again and again and then it's over you know and so these are things that that we have to deal with on a nightly basis and Dave is dealing with stuff the other night at at the gig in in Miami like he could hear himself for about 20 seconds and his his headphones Uh, went totally out completely and so him. he's playing guitar, <laughs> and he can pro- maybe hear a little bit of the house, maybe, and uh, and this went on for like five or six tunes, where it was kind of coming in and out and in and out. And he, man, he, you know, he was just like, "Wow, man!" He says, "Thank you guys, because I can't hear anything." You know, he says, "I'm I'm like on an island by myself somewhere." It's gotta be so weird. Just, <laughs> and, uh, just
2: like to interject with a quick uh, guest question here. Yes. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen,
0: the man the that one. everyone's been wondering, what he does, Kevin Brown. <laughs> I
2: Humphrey's myself McGee. have been wondering that same question. Uh, I have the pleasure of managing Humphreys McGee, but my current job is to find out if you're playing Soprano on Made to Measure.
3: Um, I can play Soprano on Made to Measure. I have my tenor with me now, but I do have the Soprano that I can bring later.
2: Yeah, uh, it's up to you. You played soprano on the record, but however I'll you want. Yeah. Okay. And then are you going to play the tenor on Virtual Insanity? Okay. That's a question, not a statement. Sure. Okay. <laughs> all right. Great. Well, it's been really wonderful being here. Yeah. Wait, wait. Thanks for
3: those profound questions. Yes. Yes. yes.
2: Deep talks. <laughs> really,
3: really breaking. Kevin dying again on our show. Finally, he's
0: there. You go. Congratulations. But that answers the question from uh, Chris Byers this afternoon.
3: Oh, about Kevin. <laughs> so it all tied yes. together there. Is he usually naked during the day? And the answer was yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but mistakes happen. <laughs> of this is right there. Yeah. <laughs> but "Ants Marching"
1: is, is the show closer. It's a signature song. Even casual Dave Matthews fans are intimately familiar with it. I mean, yeah. did, did you after the show? Did you guys work it out and sit down and say, "All right, we got to do that." Your next gig was the Super Bowl. You said just didn't you play the Super it was, Bowl? It was
3: no, it was the night before the Super Bowl. Oh, I thought it you guys... was just it was just a one off. Yeah. Oh,
1: okay. But, but what did you did you? Oh, it was a one off. So you had the few weeks and then the tour.
3: Yeah. So you yeah, sorted so it so out. Yeah. So yeah. So we rehearsed. You know for. Um I don't know I think it was like 5 days before the tour started cuz the, the buddy was coming in. And so yeah, we we've, we've had to talk about like well what places are what parts are we replacing as horns? Yeah. What parts is is buddy replacing on the keyboards? What parts are we not replacing? So yeah, I mean there's 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 been this growth and and you know we have a little rehearsal room, not unlike what Humphrey's has here. Um uh, every day, that's set up by our crew, and and we rehearse a lot on the road now, and, uh, and 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 again, it's it's we don't really sound check very much. Our guys have that locked in, and and everything is good with that. But a lot of days we're rehearsing together, and uh, and and working out parts, working out arrangements, and um, y- you know making sure that that we have whatever parts we need to have covered, covered, and. Um, so it's you know it's it's an ongoing thing. Arrangements change all the time. Every gig is very different, it, it, and that's one of the things that shocks me when people complain about the set lists. Is I'm like, yeah, but it's different than it was the last time you heard it. You know, so there you know these these people on 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 their couches at home, you know, they're complaining about something that they haven't heard. I thought just uh, fish <laughs> fans do
0: that. Dave Matthews fans do that too.
1: Geez, <laughs> I you have no, clue. no idea. Could be analyzing. <clears> might not be complaining. Might just be analysis. Right. <laughs> one thing as a musician one Dave Matthews song I like to talk about the space between because as a performer yeah. it's often the space between is, is an important
3: thing so Absolutely. does that song resonate with you more than others of his um, the concept of it does you know it's, it's interesting because uh, for me like when I learned the catalog like when I memorized the catalog it was in early 2009 and I took about a month um, of three or four hours a day just putting my iPod on shuffle and playing along um, so I kind of learned everything at once, and so I don't really have a favorite tune uh, or anything like that. And, and a lot of tunes I don't even know all the words. I just, you know, I sort of make them up as, as we go along. And-
0: but you're not afraid to do the homework, which is a big thing. I think I want to I want to take a moment to touch on that because sure. as a as a Music educator, mm-hmm. that's an important thing for people to hear. I mean, it's not just well, I'm going to learn this tune. I mean, you you dived right. into the catalog and yeah. you did the work, and then not only do you do the work, did the work, but when you're performing and you're on the road, you're doing the work in the rehearsal before the show. I mean, that's yeah. there's
3: something to be said about that. Yeah, yeah, it it it's taken everything that I could do as a musician to, especially initially, be able to do that gig. All the fundamentals. Um, listening being the most important one of those, um, to to really be able to execute that gig, in a way that it was at the level that was acceptable to me, you know, because I knew that here's the thing, like I'm the hardest on myself, so I knew that if it was acceptable to me, then it was going to be acceptable to the musicians I was playing with, because my standard is is higher than their expectations. I don't care what gig it is, my my standards. Um, and my expectations of myself are going to be higher than what your expectations are. and uh, Hence why you're still married. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> we and, could learn something from you, both
3: of us. <laughs> and so <clears throat> um, the, the idea of hard work is is certainly not foreign to me. And, uh, and, and I, you know, I still bust my butt out there. If there's tunes that we haven't played for a while, um, then I'm on my phone before the gig listening to it and running through it in my head and making sure that I have it together and But that's it, more important to you if I'm hearing it right, that's more important to
0: you to get it right, to get it correct, than to be able to say, you know what, let me try to bring something different to
3: it. Well, that's in the improvisational sections. Mm-hmm. You know? Sure, so but you when, can add little feel and nuance. Little inflections here and there. Yes, but 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 the difference is is that that if we add those inflections, if I add those inflections and Rashawn and I don't talk about it. Then suddenly it we're in sync. sing. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. You know? So so behind solos, you know, we'll come up with, with riffs behind soloists. And that's wide open, whatever we want to do on those.
0: Talk about that, though. That's I think people the are fascinated about, out. you know, when horn players get up. Now, granted, there's a lot of stuff that you can just quickly look and say in two, in two words and be able to pick up. But when you're playing, with, even mm-hmm. if it's not with Dave Matthews and you're playing a gig with, you know, you're How jumping the, on the, with Carl or Humphreys, et cetera, yeah. when you're like, you just look at each other. You take the mic away, and you go, and then you come on. You know, and you get these yep. horn lines. That
3: are That's like, nice. I like that. That's good, Seth. Good line, man. Yeah, it's the trumpet player in me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so you have to be able to hear that. You have to be able to to, to listen to it a couple of times, and then then be able to play it. And uh, um, so, yeah, a lot of that, a lot of the stuff that we do behind other people's solos. Is just that. How
0: are you keeping up with the show? The, the song's moving. You're trying to work on, I mean, are you ever like, oh, shit, i got to go back. Yeah, well, some, Yeah, sometimes you screw it up and, you know. <laughs> but you have this space where you only have this much time to be able to put it together and execute it like you've right. done it a hundred times.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's part of, the, it's part of what we do. True, things but uh, you're
0: you. It's you, it's almost like you have three thoughts:
1: what everybody else is doing, yeah. where you think the music should go, and how you want yeah, to add to well it. Put. It's like three different things, right?
3: Plus, you almost have to anticipate where it's going to, with whatever lick you're going to play. You know, because you're thinking, okay, well, this is going to get to a, a peak of intensity. So once it gets there, is the line that we're playing going to work within that peak of intensity? Yeah, well, and then you also
0: have these other musicians that are
3: soloing on top of it, or or right. you know, and it's how do you stay out of their way? Yeah. Yeah, so, th- so there's a lot of things to think about. But again, I come back to listening, and that's, that's the most important element, I think, period. Not only in music, but in life. Like, if you can really learn to listen, it opens up everything for you. And the possibilities then uh, that are, are endless.
1: We're listening.
0: Yeah, that was really good. <laughs> that was
3: really good space. I like that. That was perfect. That was the space between. There you go. <laughs> the space between words.
2: All right, is where you'll find me if I get to go.
1: So the Humphrey's gig, and it's become an annual thing for you mm-hmm. here. I, I don't know if people know, but New Year's Eve, you tend to play. You often tend to sit in the night before. Be it, it Chicago,
3: be it Atlanta, St. Louis. Denver, St. Louis, yeah.
0: It's kind of like you write this. You write, it's fortune that Dave Matthews doesn't do New Year's.
3: Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah we, I've never done New Year's with Dave. So I've done this. The only time I missed this was um, I did a gig with my morning jacket maybe 10 or 11 years ago. I really? 10 or 11 years ago, and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and they had gotten in touch with me earlier in the year. And I didn't know if the Umfriz thing was happening that year, and uh, um, so I, I, had the, I had accepted the gig. And uh, um, and so when 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 the Umfriz guys called, I was like, "Oh shit!" I said, "I <laughs> took this You're other too thing Madison Square Garden. Oh Where are
1: God. you guys playing?" Awkward. <laughs> 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 We're playing the pageant. <laughs> it's a nice room, though. I hear it's a really nice yeah, room. want to go? Room, there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's better than the mall. It's not MSG.
3: Right. <laughs> And so, uh, but that's the only year that I missed. And uh, um, so now I just leave my stuff set up. And is it more <laughs> familiar every year? <laughs> I think a, didn't you improvise
2: calendar. last year?
1: I
3: think you even got into some f- improv last year. or Was that the year before? There was one. Oh, we always get into some improvisational. I mean, like full on. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 The full on stuff. Yeah. Well, you know that that happens more usually on the sit-in stuff than the than the charted out parts because it's just Cause you. sometimes that yeah because that then it can kind of it can kind of go wherever like like uh, the thing I said in on last night. Um, um, uh, talking McGee. I was like, we didn't you see know? you play last time. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Late Wait, night. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, that can kind of go into a lot of different places also. And um, Sure. But
0: prepping for a gig like this, uh, we met, we are, it's now that it's, the show's already happened, if, if anyone's listening, Virtual Insanity, we heard, you know, uh, yeah. Kevin bring up. How yeah. far ahead of time are you getting them, they tell... Are they? Are you being notified, like, hey, this is what we want to play? Type um,
1: you set on? A,
3: a, a little bit ago. I mean, I, you know, it wasn't really decided until today that I would play that tune. Okay. And, um,
1: but by this time, you know that song. I and you recorded.
3: it. I've never heard it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you, but you did, though. You've listened to the
0: radio. It's been, like, it's Has in it there. Has been on the radio? Oh, yeah. That, okay, that well, was I've the... definitely heard it
3: then. Oh, yeah. It's... I know this tune inside now. <laughs> <laughs> You're about to. <laughs> I'm about to. Well, no, Here's but here's the thing. Like, I know how to get ready for it. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll be ready for it, you know? And, uh, and That's
0: why we have to end the interview right now so he can listen down on his iPod. <laughs>
3: that's right. <laughs> had you heard talk before last night? Uh, no, I hadn't. What do you think? Oh, I thought they sounded great, man. I loved it. I, I love loved him. it. Yeah. Um, there was a little bit where they were playing just as as the quartet also. I was like, wow, man, these guys really play great together. Yes. And, uh, and, and the guitars sounded beautiful. I thought he had some really great, not only, not only a great sound, but great ideas. Matt Yalbert? Um, <clears throat> Is that his name?
1: Yeah, Y'all Bear, something like that. Yeah,
3: and uh, but every, no, I thought everybody brought a really great sensibility to it, and and uh, it it felt great and it sounded great, and you know, shit, what more do you want, man? You know, everybody loved it.
0: Now, Rob, before we move on to other stuff, did you have any other Humphries related questions, or
1: have you ever brought a song to them and said, "Let's do this"?
3: Um, two actually. Um, uh, the the first one was a tune I had just written. Called a half sleep, and uh, and we were just messing around with it in in um, in the rehearsal room, and uh, and they were like, oh well, you know, let's let's do this on the hit. And I was like, oh, okay. And the other one <clears throat> uh, was uh, a thing Justin Timberlake had done on Saturday Night Live called Dick in a Box. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. And uh, <laughs> you were on Champions that year. That's when they they, they brought so, that out. Yeah. They
0: did a New Year's and then uh, brought it back on. Right, right.
1: I got to point out something on that cover, because if you hear it, you think, "Oh, it's goofy." But when they do it and they sing it like they're singing the most important, serious song in the world, that's what makes it funny. Right? That's right. what makes yeah, it, it, it total great. Total commitment, man. It's mm-hmm. intention
3: with anything, and that, you know. And again, I talk to students about this also. It's like, what's the intention behind what you're doing? It's Spe- like you know, like you can look at a painting, and you can look at, Kernelbers? you know, like 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 a Basquiat painting or something, and and just go, "Oh, well, you know, it's it's sloppy and it's." You know, got a weird color scheme to it and there's no straight lines. And then you go, but wow, man, that shit is profound. Like what is it about that? You know, and 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 in artists like that. You know, there's some art in, in in the tabernacle also that some of this folk art and you just go, wow man, it looks, you know, it's it's almost primitive in the way that it's is presented. And uh, but the intention is there, this purity that's there.
2: Um, the, could- the
0: musicians is, uh, with musicians, it's very apparent like that. I mean, my son's five, yeah, and when he plays uh, the cello, mm-hmm. um, it's not that he's the best player. It's the way he plays. His facial expression, it's you can see the intent. Right? He, yeah, it's all
3: there, and I'm like, you can't teach that. Well, well yeah. maybe you can, but my point is. You can encourage it. You I mean, you can teach it. it, but you can draw it out. But that's and, and I think people have that. They they have the ability to give their full commitment to things. You said Colonel Bruce in between what I was talking and, and he's one of those guys also, man. Absolute full commitment. You know, people like Jeff Sype and Jimmy Herring and O'Teal and, and Kofi and Matt Mundy and and Bela and Vic and the, you know the, all the graduate Matthews, Roger. and I mean it goes on and on. And so these are the kinds of people and performers and artists and 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 musicians that I want to be around. So teaching is more of coaching and helping people get there, not so much teaching them how to do it. Well, it's it's both. I mean, here's the thing: um, do you know how many hours there are in a week? Seven times
1: twenty-four would be one forty.
3: I don't know 168 that's right 168 that's correct (laughs) thank you (laughs) I'm like where's my calculator (laughs) (laughs) so here's the thing I bailed like if, if if you take an hour lesson with me then you're on your own for 167 hours before we see each other again so he was really doing the teaching you know, it's, it's not the, me. It's the days mm. between. It's not me, right, exactly. It's all that it's all that time in between the times that we meet. So so my job as an educator, I think, is to teach the student how to teach themselves, to give them the tools, to give them mm-hmm. the understanding of, of how to systematically go through something and understand it. The and power uh, of
0: being able to learn. That's the other piece that you know, I do. Teaching them how is, to learn, yeah. You know, that, I, I don't I see my son being able to focus on learning in a way that I still don't know how to do.
3: Right, right. Well, I think the internet has changed all that also because the information is there. All you have to do—it's literally at the tips of our fingers, and uh, and it's never been that way before in, in human history. And so I think the evolution is is coming in the mind, is, is coming in the ability to assimilate information and to do it at, at at a rate that's unprecedented. You know, you see these movies now, and like it used to be that you know the scenes were like six or seven, eight, eight seconds long, and now it's like it's moments. You know, and people are putting all this stuff together, like in these flashes of time, like like splits of seconds, and um, and and music is changing in that way also. It's gotten faster. Um, um, the way that the melody is sitting on top of the rhythm is is doubling up. It's getting faster. It's like when you think about Indian music, for example, all all the 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 freneticness of of Indian music, that development has been around for thousands of years now, and. So when you think about pop music developing, you know you think about like from Chuck Berry to 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 Wolfpack. You know, what I mean, <laughs> the difference in that is extraordinary. They call Wolfpack pop music. You know, <laughs> well, I mean, to me it is like like most most kids you talk to, they know that music.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
3: You know. Yeah. So if popular music, if pop music is popular music and it's popular with this generation, then it's certainly pop music. Yep. you know it's it's not Katy perry it's not it's not bubblegum pop right right you know right, and that's right, you know right. that's nothing against Katy perry and her music or the other stuff that's out there but but it is nowhere at the depth yeah the, the of what these guys too. are doing groups like radiohead or bjork mm-hmm. you know and, and this list continues to to, to evolve also and cigarettes uh, yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely uh-huh. i mean there's some brilliant brilliant music out there and uh, groups like Ghost Note also. I mean, dear God, man. I mean, the stuff that these guys are, are coming up with um, is, is really extraordinary. And uh, um,
0: But I think you, you're hitting a point that we talked about earlier with Jake. All these artists that are out there right now, the younger artists, they're, the, mu- the level of musicianship is so up, mm-hmm. but the ability to have their original voice is mm-hmm. down.
1: Well, and their ability to listen sometimes can be down. Someone's a great player. That's not enough.
3: It doesn't go mean they're a great listener. Just because you can play the crap out of your instrument, doesn't mean you're a great listener. Far from it, I think. You know, so you have to have the experience also. And so it's up to us, as professionals, as educators, as musicians, as artists, as elders, to give these musicians experiences to be able to go out there and fall flat on their ass. You know, <laughs> to go out there and and, and and to play yeah. in front of people to have the experience of of. You know, not being a practice room musician, but being a musician that's out there um, playing in front of people and, ha- and having that interaction.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, having
3: that reciprocation between you and the audience. And uh, in in one of the other things I stress is that as a musician, we are in a service industry. We serve the music first, then we serve the musicians that we're working with, then we serve the audience. So I'm like, you're at least fourth on the list.
0: Wow. You
3: know. But by serving yeah. those other things, you in turn get served. So it's uh-huh. this very reciprocal, kind of holistic approach to it. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so when we give these, like, for example, like one of, uh, he's a graduating senior at Vanderbilt, uh, one of my uh, flute improvisation students. He's the best flute player in the school by far. Like, he's extraordinary. And so I just had this huge gig on the 19th of December that he was playing flute on. You know, he and I were both playing flute and Vic Wooten was on bass and Jordan Pearlson on drums. Another former student of mine was playing piano. We had a 32-piece choir, six-piece dance um, um, uh, troupe, um, an African-American spoken word poet. Uh, She was the narrator for the whole thing. We had a rabbi, we had a minister. It was all about the solstice and and the light going and coming back, how do we bring it back? And so you know he had a big part in this thing also. So like these guys, these types of, of immersion projects that we're working on, these are really important things, and uh, to include young students in this stuff is is it's huge. And and you know one of the reasons that I continue to bust my ass and go out and do clinics all around the country, go to things like the Jazz Education Network, which is coming up in Reno in ten days. Um, which has you know like three or four thousand students that are there is to reach out to these young players to, to to talk to them and to encourage them, be inspired by them, hopefully inspire them. Um, but that's to an interesting just communicate. Point,
0: to be inspired by them. Yeah, you know, teaching isn't always about what you give. It's also like you're saying this whole reciprocal piece. Mm-hmm. You get a lot and to be inspired. That's yeah, a very big much piece. so.
3: Yeah, very much so. And uh, and a lot of times I feel like I probably learn more from them then they learn from me. Although they're learning a lot from me, I'm learning a lot by teaching them. And it's it's often said too that you teach best what you most need to learn, and uh, so that's not lost on me either. When when I'm working on these students on very particular things, and and they can come into me, and I can I can be like, okay, well, here are the things you need to work on, and it doesn't even have to be the saxophone. I mean, I've taught oboe players, uh, the oboe professor at Vanderbilt is studying improvisation with me. Um, I've got obo solo. Tru- I don't yeah, think I've ever heard of that. So, right, like, right. It's just improv
0: solo. Yeah. Sure, oboe solo, because that's all they ever really do. Right. Yeah, not that rudely. I don't mean that. But, you know, it's in an orchestra. Or not, but you never see someone. No one ever busts,
3: oh, bring out the oboe. Right. Paul McCandless. He's one of the guys. English horn. Yeah. So I
0: mean, if the oboe is going to be playing, then the trumpet player's got to move the horn.
3: Yes, right. That's a good point. That's a good point.
0: Well, uh, a lot of what you're saying dovetails, I think, into Ear Up
3: Records, where yes, it's, yes, it's about you.
1: artistic integrity more than widget sales, yeah, correct? Yeah, for sure. Um, highest artistic intention over lowest common denominator. When did you um, start, when, when did you first scheme Ear Up Records? Um, you do have to sell product. Are you concerned? Is there, there is, there's got to be a marketing arm to it. But Snarky Puppy has proven with Ground Up that you yeah. can do artistic integrity over yeah. sales and
3: be successful. Yeah, um, it started probably in 2011 or 2012, I can't remember exactly which, and, uh, it was a, it was a place to sort of house my projects, because I was on Compass Records for a number of years, and they were great, they are amazing people, it's a, it's a, it's a great smaller label in Nashville, but I felt the direction they were going was, was very different than the direction that I was going, they were moving more towards like the Celtic slant, and I was like, my music's decidedly not Celtic, and, uh, Um, they got david bromberg too is that right throw that in there (laughs) and so i i felt like when my contract my second contract with them was up i was like well you know i feel like i can you know take this over and uh you know do a similar job that they were doing you know i mean it's they were changing their their um their publicity people every year and a half or so and they would kind of come to me and be like, well, what kind of music do you do? And I was like, how can I explain original music to you? Yeah, I
1: do Jeff
0: Coffin music.
3: You know, and, and so I felt like, well, maybe I'm better off served on my own with this. And uh, I thought this, you said Celtic, not Catholic. Because Celtic. there's a lot of guilt there. Celtic, <laughs> <laughs> But there's a nice dance to it. <laughs> dance your guilt away. <laughs> Um, and so it was a financial decision also because I was paying six bucks a CD um, to get my stuff from Compass, and then if if I'm selling oh, it for okay. ten bucks on the road or at clinics, excuse me, my profit margin's four dollars. Now, let's say that that I give away two CDs, okay? I've just given away twelve dollars. If my profit margin is four dollars, <laughs> I have to sell three three CDs to break even. See, I did now that one. Right,
2: very well done.
3: Thank you. And so now I'm out five CDs and I've only broken even. So I'm like, well, merch is not, it's not my friend here at this point. Well, but are they put, but what about the cost of actually recording, though? Who's putting that up then? Mostly me. I mean, there were small guarantees they would help with. Mm -hmm. But now I have a studio above my garage also, and I can Uh record all my own stuff up there.
0: Oh, we were looking for a studio to do something in Nashville for, uh... Do it at my place. Sorry, Weintraub. (laughs) I actually might
1: do that. Um... On the corner live. It's coming
3: out uh, early February with Dave Liebman. Dave Liebman, who played with Miles, yeah, played well, with Elvin
0: Jones.
1: On the corner
3: yeah. is that's the Miles I, yeah, uh, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, so it's it's a revisiting of some of that early seventies Miles Davis. Electric stuff. So we've got Vic Wooten. We've got Chester Thompson on drums. Yeah,
0: oh, okay. Hold on a second. Chester Thompson on drums. I thought it was Chester Thompson that's from Tower Chester of Power. Thompson. There's a keyboard player. Yeah.
3: yeah that's what yeah, I yeah, thought. I was, no, I was this is, freaking This out. is the guy that that, that played with Zappa and Weather Report. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, ch- they're
1: both great. Yeah. Music.
3: yeah. 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 But Chester Thompson is like one of the world's greatest drummers. Period. And though you know the way those guys line up on that stuff is it's unbelievable, man. How'd that come you know, together? Well, and uh, you know, I talked to him. Um, at the Gen Conference, I was like, man, I said, I'd i love to get you to Nashville. He's like, ah, oh, I've never been to Nashville. Where? At the Gen Conference, the Jazz Education Network okay. Conference. Not gender.
1: No, I just was curious what it was.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Anything David Liebman goes to, I'm interested in. Yeah, and so, so he was like, oh, yeah. He says, I've never been to Nashville. And, and I was like, well, you know, I said, let me set you up some clinics and, like, get you down there. And so we correspond. I said, you know, how much do you need? He gave me a figure. I said, let me see if I can work this out. And uh, so, so I had talked to Vic. And, and Chester, a couple other friends of mine, Chris Walters and James De Silva on guitar. Uh, Chris plays keyboards. And uh, I said, well, you know, we can do a gig at this club called Third and Lindsley. And uh, I, I said we should be able to get a lot of people out. You know, with with the with the guys that we have, we should be able to do really well. And uh, um, so I set him up three clinics. He said he said keep me working. And uh, I said okay. And so I I had like three clinics in two days, plus the gig, plus rehearsals. And uh, so, you know, I mean, we worked our butts off. But here was the thing about the gig is that I had set up the live recording, and I didn't tell anybody, (laughs) you know. I didn't ask anybody's permission. I just did it because I didn't want anything to be in anyone's head that we were recording, you know. And uh, um, so after the gig, which was tremendous, it was sold out, you know, people were like around the corner trying to get into the thing. Around the corner? So we, Not around, on the corner. around the corner, right? <laughs> and uh, um, so, you know, I told them after the gig, because they were like, man, it would have been great if we recorded this. I was like, well, as a matter of fact, <laughs> I says it was multi-tracked. <laughs> and, uh, and and so the guy we had do it was great. And Liebman was very involved with the editing process. He came down to help finish the mixing of it. Um, and it's, you know, it, 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 one of the things that held us up was uh, getting the rights for the publishing to to put it out, uh, to get the releases because some of the stuff we couldn't find, and uh, so That's we had to go through not only Harry Fox but through the Miles Davis estate, and so it, it took a long time to get that stuff together. And, could, have uh, with, <clears throat> could have piggybacked with
0: could have piggybacked with lettuce when they did the Bitches Brew album.
3: Right, right, and uh, so so th- 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 this thing is tremendous, man. It's it's a it's a brilliant record, and uh, and I'm I'm really excited to have it out there. So early February that'll be out. Um, and I know that Dave is super excited about it. He went back and listened to it recently. He says, man, we got to get this out now. Let's maybe, do it. You know, Maybe we play a track. I would love it. Yeah. Who is Tatsuya Nakatani? Am I pronouncing Tatsuya that correctly? Tatsuya is a, a really great Japanese drummer, lives in the States, lives in um, Truth or Consequences, New Mexico now. Uh, he was in uh, Pennsylvania for quite a while. What a name for a town. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's, he's a really interesting sound artist. Yeah. Um, Sound uh, artist explain. yeah he well he travels around in a sprinter van, um, not only doing solo gigs and, and 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 other gigs with with the kit, but he has um, like fifteen or eighteen of these wind gongs like they 're huge they 're like like six feet across in the van and and he has what what 's called a gong orchestra, and so he'll go and he'll go into a town and kind of teach people how to to, to strike the gong or, or, or to get sound out of the gong. He also has these bows that he's made, that and they're, they're brilliant. They're really professionally made, really incredible bows, to bow the cymbals to then get sounds out of it. So it's kind of this wash of these 15, 16, 18 gongs in a, in a, in a space. So he came to Nashville. Sounds like meditative and curing. Oh, it was incredible, man. It was absolutely unbelievable. Like It almost feels like walking out of it, I imagine yeah.
0: you feel like you got a massage. Yeah, a mental massage. Like a sonic massage. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So. yeah. And so, so my wife being Japanese, you know, we talked to him afterwards and we said, well, look, man, like, you know, where are you staying? He's like, oh, he said, like, I could plug in, you know, at the Walmart. And uh, he says, usually I just find a Walmart and plug in somewhere. And, and we said, well, look, you know, come to our place, man. Like, come, we, you know, we have a guest room, we have a shower. He's like, no, he says, he says, really, he says, I'm good. I'm all self contained. I said, so we have sake. He said, okay. <laughs> sake or consequences? <laughs> right. So, so we hung, we played a little bit that night, you know, I mean, very little, but I said, look, man, I said, next time you're in, give me some notice. And I said, let's, let's set up some recording in the studio. And so, so we did some recording, we did a gig together and, uh, and it was really great. And, and so I edited a bunch of stuff down, um, kept going back and forth, sending it back to him and he'd be on the road. He couldn't listen to it. it got home and blah, blah, blah. And, uh. So we ended up putting that out um, earlier uh, earlier this year, early 2018. Um, Did some clinic work together also, and so yeah, he's he's really great, man. He he doesn't have cymbals around his set, Um, but he he bows singing bowls like small singing bowls. He's got rosin on the head of his drums so he can push the cymbals across. Mm. Um, uh, He's playing gongs and it's it's very free, very open. Um, and just really exploring the sounds of the drums. And and so we, uh, we did a bunch of different stuff. Um, every instrument I could find in my studio, we tried. Um, whistles that I have, um, bells, kind of the whole gamut of things. And we just, you know, it we just went for it. And so I dovetailed things together. Um, not unlike the, the duo record I did with Jeff Seid many years ago. Um, so I was dovetailing things together and I tried to make it as seamless as possible. So there's there's um, basically three pieces of, of this record. It was super fun to edit it and, and put it together, and um, yeah. So, I did two um, two duo records with drummers this year. Uh, the second um, being with, with uh, Future Man, also.
1: Um, but I'd, I'd like to ask you about Shout It Out the Spirit Music. Yep. You got three of your friends and went out and did standards without rehearsing or discussing it at all, you just went on stage, and what yeah. happened happened. Who were the other three musicians?
3: Um, a guy, named, a bassist named Roger Spencer. Um, 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 a drummer named Dale Armstrong and uh, a, a brilliant keyboard player who doesn't really play much anymore named Bill Alfader. Um, the, the gig that he had done before this gig was the gig that we had done two and a half years ago before this gig with this same group. <laughs> and, uh, and, and he's brilliant. It's, it's hard to explain what kind of ears this guy has and, and uh, like you watch him, he's just he's just impish when he plays and it's, it's really incredible. And uh, so we just had, we had um, a list of tunes that we're just going to pull from. And the idea was that we're not going to talk about these tunes at all before we go on stage. Uh, We're not going to talk about tempos or feel or who's going to start them, who's going to end them, who's going to solo where. I'm not a musician. The tempo thing. That's what's most amazing. You didn't even discuss tempo. No. So you just. You don't discuss it. You feel it. Right. We just started into it, you know, And, and wherever we started, we just went with it. And uh and, and so they record there and the idea was not to put out a record. The idea was just to like go and have this fun gig and, and do it. Um and I listened back to it and I was like, wow man, this is really good. This is really good and, and excuse me, I'm I'm not the kind of person that, that wants to record standards um or even really play them on gigs, quite honestly. You just can't standard. Um, I can't standard. Running around, I can't stand it. <laughs> around, and, uh, can't stand it. <laughs> Sorry. And, uh, but, but I thought, well, th- this is sort of, this is something that my students can benefit from. Ah, yeah. And so, okay, I'll do it, you know? And uh, the reason I didn't put it out physically is that the songs were long. The songs were like 15, 16 minutes long. Some of them. Anything over five minutes, you start getting charged by the minute. So to put out a standards record of eight tunes of songs that are seventy years old was going to cost me three thousand dollars to just release them. <sighs> That's and ridiculous. That was like this is insanity. You know, there's no way that I'm going to do Virtual insanity. Virtual insanity. So, so I just have it streaming. You know, that, and, that uh, makes sense. That makes sense. But um, doesn't really make it doesn't make dollars. It makes sense. It doesn't make dollars. It makes sense. <laughs> See, once wow. in a while, they're good. Once wow. in a while, they're good. That, that's pretty good, man. I got to give you kudos on that. Good night. <laughs> yeah, we are running out of time. I'd like to
1: end. return to Humphreys and McGee toward the end because yeah, they've been very I, can nice. Can I do a rewind? They've been, yeah, just do a rewind. Double rewind.
3: Double rewind.
1: Okay. What's your most memorable <laughs> uh, sit-in with them over the years? Do you have one that sticks out? You don't have to remember the exact year or whatever, just the song or whatever moment or... Moment or song, I like that.
3: Oh, wow, the most memorable one. Moment so clear. Good or bad. <laughs> wow, it's hard to say, man. It's, it's, it's all been just a, a beautiful, like, technicolor blur, quite honestly, you know? Um, I, you know, I don't know if there's a particular moment. It's, I mean, it's all so much fun, man. It's all so interesting. And, and you know, I, I think for me, like, the greatest thing about coming back year to year with these guys is to witness their development as a band. You know, because I I basically come once a year. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they come through Nashville. I'll hear them then or whatever. You're like Father Time. I'm like Father Time. That's right. You're, you're Bill Graham, <laughs> <there>. yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know, it's it, like I was thinking about it last night when I was when I was listening side stage, and and I was thinking that while they've they've become such a great band. Yeah. You know, as musicians also because they've played their instruments so much now, they're super adept at their band. It's you know, it's it's become. A, a language that they speak. Fluidly. But when you say band, you're also talking about the transformational element that they
0: do to the, the show.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, take I mean, us it's away. the whole package. just the holistic approach to the, to the thing. Um, and, and, and to me that, that really sets them apart that they've been together now for what, 21 years, I think. Yeah. Um, Again, behind. they sound absolutely incredible. I mean I would never tell them that.
1: No, please don't. Please don't.
3: <laughs> but um you know we're uh, going to play that in the middle of the set just we're going to yeah, just right. highlight that shh, <laughs> bring it down to the
0: drum solo like, And they play incredible. <laughs>
3: um but they're you know it, they're great people also, they're great musicians. Um and you know they're they're always crushing it, man. It's it's great and and they're out there you know, really hitting it hard. They have families. They're making it work. Um,
0: they have an eye for the long term.
3: They have an eye for the long term and a vision for the group. You're in yeah. a band mm-hmm.
0: with Dave Matthews, Dave Matthews Band, which, you know, what it's achieved and how long it's been. Now, I look at Umphreys McGee, and they're one of these bands that are, you know, that generation, mm-hmm. the McGee generation of bands, there's not a Dave Matthews really in this. You know, you've got Fish, but under even that, right. it's just music so different now and the, right. the way it is. But in a lot of ways, they're that they're the torchbearers of that.
3: I agree. For this scene, absolutely, yeah. I mean, for a band that now to sense. have that kind of longevity with the same members um, that are still gathering in young fans, I mean, that's not happening very much. You know, a lot of bands will spend a few years, and you know, it's like, wow, it's getting really hard. You know, people are moving, people are having families, but you know, it, it becomes a family unto itself, and it becomes a thing where. Um, you know the idea of stopping is not as appealing as the idea of continuing. You know the pros uh, are are still outweighing the cons, um, and so how do you make it work? You know, I mean, you've got to communicate, you've got to talk, you've got to figure things out, and uh, and and you know, they're doing it, man. Twenty years. You know, when I first met them when the Flectones were doing um, um, oh god, what what was the tour? The Acoustic Planet tour, I think it was, and uh, we'd have different groups out and and. Uh,
1: um, Humphreys came showed up with a full working knowledge of Stomping Grounds? No.
3: I can't remember what a tune it was. But they
1: showed up, right? They knew <laughs> the
3: song and were ready yeah. to Yeah. Yeah. And uh and so they were great. I mean, they were great to be on the road with, they were super fun. They were really green at the time also, but we liked them. You know, we were like, man, this is a really cool group. And uh and we thought that 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 this group would have longevity, and sure enough, yeah, man sure enough and and you know and whenever <clears throat> here's the thing whenever i mention the group with the exception of brendan people love the band <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs>
0: He's a big listener, by the way. <laughs> All right, Rob, you yeah. you always get the last question. Right. Today, I have the last question.
1: Well, can I just say one thing? We'll, we'll always support... That was support, the last question. We'll, that's not a question. <laughs>
3: oh, it wasn't. That was a we'll question. Can Erop? I say one right. thing? If what was that? That was a question, that? We'll always question, we'll
1: right? support up Records, anything that we can ever Thank
3: do for you. you. I appreciate you it. you got
1: to drag Dave out in front of this band, Humphreys. It's long Would overdue. fun? Dave needs to sit in with Dumfries McGee. Be cool. Please, whatever, you, put a whisper in his ear. Yeah. please.
3: Yeah, that'd be super fun.
0: Go ahead, Sam. Final question. Yes, sir. Next, other than the telephone,
3: yeah,
0: or cell phone or whatever, but telephone. Yeah, what do you think the most significant invention of our time is? Well, unquestionably
3: the internet. Without question, I think the internet is is as profound as electricity. Mm. I think it may be second to electricity. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, thank you for your time. You got for it. me. It's a cassette deck. Oh,
3: damn it, Rob! Oh, I could have said the cassette deck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Third, electricity cassette deck, portable. portable I have one that deck.
1: you can walk around Get and listen to cassettes. It's crazy. Come
3: on. What would you do with the speakers?
1: I uh, just kind of in my back pocket.
3: Yeah. So you can kind of feel it. Yeah. Wow. Right it. on. Right to the bottom of you. Yeah. So uh. electricity, portable cassette deck
1: internet make it so funky you can smell it tonight tomorrow uh-huh. night we're looking forward uh-huh me too brother me too
3: thanks you it's guys. gonna
0: be virtually insane
3: virtually insane <laughs> tune in <laughs> <laughs>
1: the way it was we were kind of embedded right next to the rehearsal room backstage we're in the band room for this one Seth
0: yeah they were so uh, so the band room umphreys mcgee tabernacle uh new year's eve run and they just welcomed us with open arms and just were just so just generous and and welcoming
1: they're all very 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 kind kind to me although I didn't I didn't get a lot of time with Vince this time he seemed grumpy this run I don't know what was going on there a uh, University of North Texas, once again. Jeff Coffin went there just like Michael League. Uh, you know, Seth, I'm learning so many things doing this podcast. I had no idea that the University of North Texas had this amazing, internationally renowned music program. Hmm.
0: Did you? Well, I mean, the only thing I know about Texas is Austin.
1: Well, that's most of all you need to know. San Antonio is a really cool city, and Houston is our fifth largest city in the country. <coughs> Hey, quick thing, you know, I I slipped up there when I said that they were playing the Super Bowl the next day when I accidentally said that. I wasn't assuming, I wasn't insinuating the halftime when the Super Bowl, which, by the way, the Super Bowl right now is here in our town in Atlanta. We have the whole NFL experience. It's all going on now. But there are a lot of events leading up to the Super Bowl. A lot of bands play the Super Bowl who aren't playing the halftime show. As a matter of fact, real quick, the Foo Fighters are playing here. They built a venue. Just for one Foo Fighters show. And it yeah, will what, be gone. What are your gone. thoughts on that? Yes, <laughs> it's weird. It'll be gone within a week. $250 to get the door. If you can find a
0: ticket. It's being, this venue was being built for like over a month and a half for literally just a couple hours. I don't know. It, you know it, try, I mean, in a way, you know though, it's kind of cool because it's like it's 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 you know uh, it's giving jobs and you know the Super Bowl's got a lot of money coming to town and so that's cool. But it also has that on the flip side. It's so wasteful. So it's just weird. You know they tried to get the stones and couldn't get them. You know it, right?
1: That had to be. They had so to what? try to get the stones. You, I'm stones. sure they tried to get the stones. Because the stones of I mean, the Super the big Bowl chocolate and peanut butter.
0: Who is the uh,
1: Who is the halftime act? Um, it's that, um, uh, Maroon, that, that uh, isn't it Andy? Maroon 5? Uh, yeah. And then, but they're going to have all kinds of guests that the, the uh, outcast guys are coming out. Yeah. I was gonna
0: say, they got to have outcast. I mean, it doesn't make sense not to, or ludicrous or.
1: The, the yeah. halftime show is getting stupid. They should go back to marching bands. It's just getting, nope. Everybody's worried. It's all politically correct. And everybody's worried about being associated with the NFL and all this stuff. They should just go back to marching bands. You know, a marching band contest can be really entertaining. It really can.
0: Wow, uh, uh, Everybody yeah. has to
1: have. I can. I don't know why no, I was in the marching...
0: Such... I was a marching chief, dude. Florida State. Florida State. So, uh, this is... We're six
1: days before the Super Bowl, Seth. The wrong team. If it was Patriots Saints, I would tell you, I don't know who's going to win. But the wrong team's in from the NFC. Finally, Tom Brady is going to win a Super Bowl by more than six
0: points. Mark my words. <laughs> All right, Seth.
1: How was Jam Cruise, buddy? Talk to us.
0: Well, it's... Everyone always asks that question. How is Jam Cruise? Was it better than last year? Like, you know, it's like, it's, it doesn't get better. It, I mean, let me phrase that. It gets better, but it's not that it's better than last year. It picks up where it left off. <coughs> Jam Cruise I, was I it was another incredible year. I had a blast. Um, really, this year was a little different for me going in. Um, one, I was single. And uh, <laughs> two, uh, it really freed me up to spend a little bit more time with the artist without the goop. Um, and... and and really like bond with some of these artists and share a lot of the ideas and also pick up on the relationships that we've established with the podcast. Like that's a whole other thing. You know, I've worked with these artists for years in other capacities. And now with the podcast, it's uh, you know, we create this dialogue, we sit down and we have an intimate hour conversation with an artist that doesn't go away. You know, you build off of that. And so do even ask about me. Yeah. Yeah. They asked where you were and I told them that you weren't there and they've sighed of relief. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> kidding. <Rob. laughs> um, I got okay so let me let me paint the picture for you Jam Cruise Torquoise the horn section all stars I mean they sat in with everyone and not just sit in these guys pulled themselves into the rehearsal space and worked up all the music that they were going to play with all the different people now that means you know in addition to their sets in addition to the activities which they did they're now going and rehearsing to be able to sit in with Carl Denton, and Eddie Frasco, you just name it, right? Any band that played. all I mean, turquoise horns were everywhere. So much so that the last, set, the second turquoise set, uh, Sammy uh, goes and says, well, you know, folks, we had a lot of people sitting with us tonight, and we're so thankful to have the turquoise horns sitting with us. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but I, I, when are I, they coming I, to Atlanta, go, dude? When are they coming uh, to uh, Atlanta? I want to see them. Uh, they'll, be, they'll be down for, um, for a 420 fest. Oh, Atlanta, we need to interview uh, them. Yeah, it would definitely will. So, I mean, I just can't give it up to them enough. They were so hardworking. Uh, and we had Hot Tuna, Electric Hot Tuna. So I got one night, you know, I went, it's, see, Jam Cruise, it's nice because you bounce around. You get a little bit of this music, a little bit of that. Um, and so it was nice to, like, bounce into Hot Tuna, or Electric Hot Tuna, rather. Uh, classy wait, wait, act.
1: wait, wait. wait tell us jack cassidy tell us you were telling him you were loving jack cassidy that's what i'm getting he's
0: he's, a, he's an l el- he's first of all classic act classic and an elegant uh bass player just so elegant uh the way he the, he performs not just his playing but his style um and his charisma really refreshing to have that uh and then you know bouncing around star kitchen uh, mark brownstein's new project super super hot act sounded amazing um we uh rob and i saw that act at electric forest and to see now where it's come uh in that time no you saw it i didn't get to see it remember that was the first weekend
1: unfortunately i'm dying to see them
0: oh all right well there you have it hey real quick
1: interjection (laughs) real quick interjection aaron magner also has a side project named spaga spaga and it's uh their their new record is completed it'll be out soon go on sorry
0: yeah no worries and um andy frasco was definitely uh the hit of Jam Cruise, he uh, he and Vince Herman are just, like, kin, just, like, I mean, it's amazing. Um, <laughs> nice. But Andy, like, and his band, they really get Jam Cruise. Like, they are, like, born for this. Uh, their music was great. He did a crowd surf from the uh, front of the theater stage all the way up to the top and back. Just insane. Uh, he surfed? And he had everyone everyone sit in with him as well. High, high energy. Uh, actually, we did an activity at the end of the weekend where it was Vince Herman and Leftover Salmon versus Andy Frasco in and the U.N. And I worked this game show out uh, for weeks. And my team and I put hours and hours into it. We had the wheel designed and as you spin the wheel, blah, blah, blah. And it was called Bamboozled. <coughs> and it was all about booze. And you know, it's going to be like band versus band and all this shenanigans. Well, we spun the wheel one time, and then Andy took over, and I got I got bamboozled. <laughs> we ended up not, you know, the, it went a whole different direction, which is fine. It was, I mean, I have the material to use for other things, but it was so funny. I mean, just total bamboozled. Um, Give some shout outs to some of your team members, please. Uh, well, yeah, Carrie Romanoff was on board uh, this year. He was great. Mayling Toy, you know, um, Emily and Stephanie and, intel- and Spencer, vici- and,
1: lovely and viciously intelligent May.
0: Mm hmm. Just so it, it was great. Cole? It was a, it, yeah, Cole was on this year. Yep. So, you know, so Andy and the uh, uh, just his band just crushed it. I mean, they took a after his set, he took everyone to the spot. He literally marched everyone in a second <laughs> nice. line from the theater to the spot. The spot is where Nathan Moore sets up, and uh, Nathan Moore. Oh, that's
2: awesome! Uh,
0: and they just, uh, it's on the side of the ship, and it's like the Americana acoustic area. So I was joking with Nathan Moore, and I went to Stan and Moore, and I thought, I thought I'm, you know, look, four in the morning, I think I'm hilarious. And I go to... No, more I go, listen, more, God, more and more, right? You, no, no, no. I said, listen, next year, can we do s'mores with the moors? And both of them were like laughing, like, yeah, that's cute. Yeah, huh? That's not then bad. Then the next night, bad. Stan and Moore comes up to me and goes, hey... I actually played with Nathan after you talked to me about that activity idea. It got me thinking I never played with him. So he went, I, I'm not, I guess that little conversation in a joke influenced him to kind of like play with Nathan and they, and Nathan, you know, giddy came back to me and said the same thing. So I don't know. It's just like, it's, it's so organic. Like jam cruise is organic like that. Um, if oh, I may gosh, jump in, it...
1: the reason I'm so excited about the Nathan Moore thing, I'm a huge, fan, a huge fan of Nathan Moore and his own, with Surprising Mr. Davis, which is a band with The Slip, and also Jam Cruise, as wonderful as it, as it is, one of the annoying things about it for me is is that it's it's more of a party than, than a concert often. A lot of people talking, and, and nothing wrong with that. It's it's their party. It's just not my way to experience music, and it can be really frustrating, particularly if someone like Steve Kimock is on stage playing quietly, and someone's yapping about their butterfly costume in at top volume. So Nathan 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 Moore hosts this thing called The Spot, kind of away from everything, that's where people go and sit and just listen, and it's mellow, and it's acoustic, and it's whatever musicians want to come here, and it's my favorite part of Jam Cruise, well, close, Steve Kimmock hosting the Jam Cruise, is pretty hard to beat, (laughs) but uh, Uh, Nathan Moore's a great songwriter, and by the way, Green Sky Bluegrass just covered
0: him the other night, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, that's great. So so I want to get a lot out. So I say Conundra, but that's not their name. It's crum, Crumden. Anyway. Yeah, the Austin, the,
1: the hot as hell band from Austin starts with a K. She, she did a DJ set until like
0: 7 in the morning. It was amazing. Uh, yeah, they good. <laughs> their set was really good. So here's the funny thing, though. So Vince Herman, him and Drew put on wigs for the Leftover Salmon set the next Drew, night. Drew Emmett, and they, also in yeah, Leftover. Uh, and they go ahead during leftover set, and they go ahead and do a song. And they they cover, they cover them. And he's wearing the wig, and, and so like she's the bass player. I forget her name. She does these like little dances with her knees, and she's really cute. And so Vince Herman does does mimics it. Oh my god, it was just so funny. I mean, it's like yeah, that we've kind had, of stuff. The camaraderie is so good. Uh, I want to keep we, going we, though. Wait, on the wait, more wait, and more wait, wait. Here. We've had
1: we've had listeners ask not just that we interview the band, but that we interview her
0: in particular. Go on, yeah, I would love to. Um, oh gosh, there's so so much, so much. So uh, Taz was all over the board on board as well. He, he he's he's growing up. He 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 did. A, uh, I forget who he was playing with, but he had a one of the most tasteful solos I've ever heard him. It was so it, instead of just you know all that kind of like heady like you know. Anyway, he dialed well, it in. Well, like in Sweetwater last it year was, during Lenny. It, it, it he started very you know he built it and it crescendoed so nicely but it it was a well worded solo do you know what I mean by that uh, it was it's much more articulate mature playing articulate yeah uh, he's he's grown up a lot in his playing so um, that was that was nice uh, and I want to talk about the activities a bit so uh, a funny story Rob I don't think I told you this but uh, on the second day we had a couple activities back to back one of them was. Um, well, here's how it started. Four o'clock in the afternoon, I get I look at my email, and I got an email from my lawyer with a divorce papers finalized, signed by the judge. Divorce is final. Okay. Nice. Five o'clock awesome. rolls around. Five o'clock rolls around, and it's the singles mingle. Six <laughs> o'clock rolls around, and it's the Jam Cruise wedding. So I'm like, oh, my God, it's happening too fast. <laughs> and seven o'clock rolls around, it's aphrodisiac corner. <laughs> So the Jam Crew's wedding this year, though, we, took, we stepped it up a notch. I went to uh, the Torquoise guys and Sammy, and we had, uh, oh, Southern Avenue. Oh, my God, they destroyed the Love ship em. this year. So great. Love and they em. sat in with a bunch of people, really, really making a mark. Uh, so there, uh, the drummer, T, she was on the drums there, and, and then Andy Frasco was also uh, involved with it. And, um, and, and so we went from a wedding to a wedding party and with the Soul Train and the whole deal, it was fantastic. A lot of fun, uh, which then uh, I wanted to bring up another thing. Um, I mentioned Southern Avenue, um, the Cleaners, the Cleaners, Kevin Scott, Dwayne Trucks. Uh, so, oh, my God, the piano player. Forget his name. He's incredible. Oh, such an all-star, such a nice guy. So the Cleaners is he have from, a set. Is the piano player from the Snarky Puppy World? Mm, I can't remember. Hang tight, though. I'll circle back on his name. It's like LaShawn. LaShawn, I think. Anyway, any rate, the Roshan or LaShawn. I'll get it right for our next episode. But So they go, they're played up in the jam room with the Spinnaker Lounge. It was so packed that it was one of those sets that people were like, oh, my God, you hear about the cleaners? They're so good. I couldn't even see them last night. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I can go on and on about Jam Cruise. I do want to finish with one other activity, though. I had our biggest game show to date. It was Jamwood well, Squares. and. Uh sorry sorry uh jamleywood squares i just did the match game yesterday out here at, with pelp and i'll tell you about that another time but jamleywood squares was great i mean the camaraderie with those artists i mean carl denson Comradery. just looks at me camaraderie uh, thank you uh carl denson looks at me and he's like you know seth i love doing these games with you i go why he goes because i like to laugh at you when you say something and nobody laughs, <laughs> i'm like
1: thanks <laughs> yeah, well, carl <laughs> yeah, it's great to you do a podcast with him carl
0: uh <laughs> hey, Carl okay, still, well, he I wants have- it. he wants it oh well, hold on though so during during the 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 Jam-Lewood squares I asked Carl a question about um about like hey you know coming to America is coming you know there's gonna be a part two and I'm curious we're all curious is it gonna be a sexual chocolate reprise because as many of you may or may not know when you see uh, coming to America the band in the church uh, that one scene uh, sexual chocolate that's Carl Denson any rate right. He's like, I don't know if I should tell you this or not, but um, I'm actually involved in helping. I think he said producing. I want to say it was producing, but he's involved in a heavy way in this in the new film. So that's kind of awesome. cool. We'll, see, we'll have to see what that means. Uh, you know, comes out and says, uh, comes out to mean. But I'm a little tongue tied, folks. I'm I'm literally in Mexico. I just spent three hours at the pool, Panic and La Playa, doing our. Infamous bingo game. I actually brought out a as, as a joke for a friend's friend. Uh, we it was his birthday, so we his his girlfriend for like ten years <laughs> is Jewish, so we went ahead and I pretended that it, you know to do like a happy birthday thing to him, which we then turned into a impromptu bar mitzvah. Threw a talis on him, threw him in the pool, and brought out a mariachi band that did Hava <laughs> So it's just craziness. Um, Panic is on fire, though. They they are playing super super well. Their sets are very diversified uh you know they still panic and it's it's a lot of rock and roll and you know hooting and hollering and all that jazz but i saw them take uh i saw them explore more in their music um um, the first night especially the second set where the first set was this clean rock and roll the second set was more exploratory and they were going into different spaces and it was it was nice you know good to hear you know when when Sweetwater comes,
1: it'll be two years since I've seen them, so I'm, I'm actually very much looking forward to seeing them. You know, I couldn't get tickets to New Year's that other year. Even though we had just interviewed the tour manager, I still couldn't even buy tickets. But, hey, dude, I had an old-school weekend. Uh, you know, I've been living in Woodstock, Georgia. I'm not Georgia. done,
0: Rob. I'm not done. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry, I'm just messing with you. So you've been living where?
1: Woodstock, Georgia, which is just north of here, and... um uh, it's out of town, so I've been down to like four or five shows some months. You know, I've been kind of light, not seeing as much music, not not serving my listeners because I should be out there learning this music to report it. But this weekend was an example, and I'm starting to get back into town. I've got to play some subletting. I'm going to be back inside the perimeter, which in Atlanta means in town. And uh, this weekend was an example of it. Friday at the Earl in East Atlanta Village, Liz Cooper and the Stampede. What a hard-driving trio. And they bring forth not just energy, but in just a wide array of rhythms and tempos that change sometimes dramatically, sometimes subtly. And um, they're all three great performers. They put their heart and soul into every single song. This woman, Liz, who's the front woman who plays guitar, she is a lovely, very attractive woman, but she's not up there trying to be seductive. She's not dancing around like a stripper. She has a very subtle, uh, you know, understated groove that she does. And it just comes off really, really genuine. I mean, sure, they rock out a little from time to time, but in general, she's just doing this little, step thing that i I find more engaging than some of these women who are up there seeming to try to be sexy you know there's something very genuine and seductive about her but also she's supremely talented you could listen to them with your eyes shut and still be completely blown away by them and they brought out new madrid opened and sat in for the encore of blondie's heart of glass new madrid seth you first heard of them and i first heard details of them when we talked to david barbie in episode 35 uh he actually plays with them in a uh, and they call it Inward Dream Egg when that happens, and he produced their debut yard boat. Back in 2012, a lot of people talk about that stuff, that, that record. Very, very celebrated independent release. They write great songs, have an excellent sense of harmony, and yeah, they jam out a little bit. They generally get a little more exper- experimental than they did that, that night. They, they can, can get into a drone thing, which I like a lot, but they only did that a, li- a couple times for a little bit on this night, probably because maybe the Liz Cooper fans wouldn't be as into it as, their own, as when they're headlining their own. And the artisanals. Another band I never, I'd never even heard of these guys, and their guitarist is from Atlanta, Clay H o u l e. Don't know how to pronounce it. Great melodies, solid Americana, and they ended their set strong. I, 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 it's hard to explain their music, but their main influences are George Harrison, Tom Petty, The Killers, and Ryan Adams. And Seth, this is big. Mm-hmm. There used to be a, a there used to be a studio in New York called the Magic Shop. It was legendary, and it's it's gone. But they've taken the equipment from it. And they've created the Magic Barn in Iowa. Not not they, the Artisanals. I'm not sure who's done it. But the forthcoming debut LP from the Artisanals will be the first to come out of this new history-adjacent Magic Barn up in Iowa. One of the members of the Artisanals is from South Dakota. I've been up there. That'll that'll get you creative. That's, uh, that's in the middle of nowhere.
0: Well, i got to give you credit, so, Rob. <clears throat> you know, here you went and saw bands that maybe our listeners or even myself aren't really all that too familiar with. While... In town was Carl Denson one night and another night well, Carl Denson and Andy Frasco and another night was Lettuce and you could have chosen to see the bands that you've seen before or have you know more frequency of seeing and and you chose to see these other bands so yeah kudos to you dude well, thank you, but
1: I, I do like to spread, spread the wings. I, wanna, I want to inform our listeners about Way Beyond Jam Band, but I've also heard so much about Liz Cooper. And then the next night, yeah, I could have gone to Carl D., but I'll tell you, Arlo Guthrie, I used to see so much in the 90s. I hadn't seen him in a few years. He had his daughter with him, Sarah, who was just wonderful, and I won't bore you with the detail. The first set more had the nugs that I like. He had some video elements. The second set was more of a standard list songs. I've seen him do way too many times. The, my biggest takeaway, Seth... Sarah Lee Guthrie, his daughter. First time I saw her, she sang "Where Have All the Flowers Gone" to Pete Seeger at Carnegie Hall at one of those Arlo Guthrie mm. Pete Seeger things. So now, as I see her all these years later, I'm getting chills. Um, she is carrying on Pete Seeger's tradition just as much as she is her own father or Arlo or grandfather Woody Guthrie's, because the way she tells tells stories in the songs seems more Seeger-like than her dad at points and the way she'll get the crowd singing along. And she covered one of Pete's songs. And, um, I want to shout out to my friend, Ron Currens, great documenter of the Colonel and other music around Atlanta. I got to take him to the show, but I had a major faux pas, Seth, because I used to see Sarah with this guy, Johnny Erian all the time. And somewhere along the way I got the impression that they had broken up so I had told Ron that oh she used to make great music with Johnny Aaron. That's my as much as I love her with her dad that's the best way to see him I saw Kevin Kinney one of his Christmas shows they performed at by the way he was at the show I talked to them for a while praised him for his Colonel poem at Warren Christmas Jam we had a nice talk anyways she so Sarah right after I've told Ron Kearns this Sarah, Sarah plays a song and right after that song she starts talking about her husband Johnny of 10 years and I was just like oh I guess they're still together they're just not on tour together right now. So
0: that was. Vu. I feel like you've done that before, dude. I, Maybe that was her. I mess up. I mess up Seth. I mess up. Oh my god! All right, and finally, well. our our boy
1: Joy Somerville. We have an interview coming with him, which we recorded right in the room. I am in right now, Diamond Street Studios. He is performing as Papa Jay says. He has a he has an album coming out. He's going to bring them out one track at a time. We may even debut Might as Well Be You on our one of our tweener's. Um, it's going that single be out by the by the Sweetwater by the time of the Sweetwater Festival in April. And it may even be the title of the record. This thing was recorded in Madison Studios in Chambly, but he played an awesome awesome show last night. Tyler Neal, you know him? He was in the band. Dante Harmon, Mm -hmm. the pedal steel player. I'm I'm told Robert Randolph took lessons from Dante Harmon at one point years ago. Derek Scott, another great guitar player. Uh, This young kid, West Bird on keys. This guy, he's in his early 30s. He tears it up. Great show at the Vista Room. Thank you, Vista Room. And um, that was my weekend, Seth. So I'm getting out of
2: the house again. Yeah.
0: All right, I'm going to end by saying this, Rob. Uh, I want okay. to thank Cole. Cole's been helping us out with our social media. He's been doing a great job. Thank you, Cole. Uh, thank you, Spencer. Never Spencer at Diamond Street Studios. Absolutely. Uh, check out Diamond Street Studios, folks. Uh, hell of a yep. studio. Got a We're going to have a live series there. from here. We're going to have a live series from here soon. And, and I want to end by saying this. Listen, I am in a place right now where i can reflect and and it's been 18 years of doing these cloud nine events which are the the resorts and the cruises etc and and i i get to do what i love i literally work my job is something that i truly love you know me behind a microphone is my passion uh and i get to do it you listening whatever your passion is don't run away from it figure out what your passion is Take the opportunities that will allow you to achieve and fulfill that because that is one, one thing that life is, and it's an important piece of life to have and don't, don't shy from that. So that's what I want to give you all. Think about it, find it, do it, and give yourself joy. Give yourself love. Thanks for listening, everyone. Don't forget hey, to I'm check every- us when you go on to iTunes.
1: Give us a review and Rob... Everybody, dry your eyes, and in a weepy voice, say thank you, Seth, and we'll see you here next week. Adios.